0: You're listening to DraftKings Network.
1: Ortiz fights it off center field. Damon running to the plate, and he can keep on running to New York. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. I can't circle. I don't have my telestrator today, but here comes a pizza. See it? (laughs)
2: This is a fucking city. And
3: nobody's going to be Stay strong. Welcome back to the Name Redacted Podcast, America's most beloved podcast, the most downloaded Red Sox podcast in the world. Coming off another series loss for the Boston
4: Red Sox. And uh, Tyler, I just
3: got to play this, this a little clip here. I think they're going to win one out of three.
4: Which one? Uh, the first. So one. Next time we record, the Red
2: Sox will be under 500. Yep. Tyler, Tyler, I, I'm so hurt and depressed right now. Acknowledge I, I can't. Me. You're acknowledged. You felt it. You felt the bad wave. Thank you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. It's uh the bad vibes. You, they're palpable. Uh, there's a lot of reason for those bad vibes for which we bring in. An old friend of mine, uh, a great friend of mine, and and by the way, I'm gonna I'm gonna pay you this compliment, uh, Steve Buckley. Um, So I I think I've told this story before, but when I first kind of came onto the scene as a young whippersnapper, and the Boston media did not know what to make of me, I was the new puppy in the yard, and there were a bunch of big dogs, and they were all sniffing me, and they didn't like what they smelled. Steve Buckley was the first guy to be like, you know what, he's a little weird, he's a little off putting. But I'm going to get to know this guy. I'm going to get to know the guy behind the Twitter account. And Steve Buckley was probably the only guy to do that. Besides, shocker, Dan Shaughnessy, which would, no one ever would have guessed that. But Steve Buckley uh, had a column today in The Athletic about uh, the call up that, that was not. He's already been designated for assignment. We didn't even get to talk about that. I, I didn't even know who he was uh, when we did the last episode. He's already been designated for assignment, but he did make his Red Sox debut tonight. Uh, Buck, what did you make of today's events? Because I was getting people on Twitter saying, I don't like that you're being silent about this. Like, where do you stand on this? Yada, yada. And I'm like, a tweet does not suffice. I don't really write anymore. It has to happen in an open dialogue like this. And I saw your call. I read it. It was great. So for those who did not get the chance to read it, check it out on The Athletic. But Steve, what was your, what was your take on today's events?
1: Well, first of all, I I generally don't clutch pearls over a tweet. I, I really make it a point not to go crazy. You don't know if, if someone drunk tweeted, if they were emotional, if they pressed the wrong button. So you go back to remember Josh Hader in the All-Star game and, and someone specifically timed the release of an old hater tweet after he had, had a great outing in the All-Star game, which I was at. I forget where it was. I think it was Miami. And um, it was in high school. I gave him a pass on. I even wrote a call. No, I'm not upset that a that high school kid, uh, I wasn't thrilled by it, but I wasn't upset by it. And the same thing with a couple of other guys who've done it. This guy, was he's 32 now, so it was, he was 30 years old when he did it. He's a grown-up. He doesn't get to decide if me, I'm gay. He doesn't get to decide if I go to hell. This guy does, not him. Yeah. And and for him to uh dredge up a Bible verse as as his indication that I'm going to hell um is, is insulting. Having said that, I thought the biggest mistake made uh was by the Red Sox. They 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 knew this in spring training. I, I talked to Haim about it in spring training, and, and I made a decision not to write about it in spring training because he's going to be in Worcester. But I, told, I, I felt they should have addressed it in spring training. They should have brought him out there, sat him down on the table, hey, I'm Matt Dermody, I'm going to pitch in AAA this year. Look at this stupid tweet I did. And then we could have addressed it, and we could have gauged looking at him whether he was remorseful, what, it, what measure of culpability he had and so forth. Uh, instead, they rolled it out during Pride Month. Boston's Gay Pride Parade is on Saturday. Pride Night at Boston is next Tuesday, and they do this today. And it's just a bad move.
3: Yeah, it was very puzzling. It was very puzzling to me. So I did not know who he was. Uh, I was not privy to the tweets until late last night when I think Sean McAdam and Chris Catillo put them out. Uh... Very, very confusing situation for me. Uh, because I feel like the Red Sox a lot of times can't get out of their own way. I feel like they shoot themselves in the foot quite a bit I- in comparison to the Bruins, Patriots, Celtics. Uh, the Red Sox are definitely leading the city in what are you doing situations over the last call it two decades. Um, when you go down the line, too, and Tyler is is far more knowledgeable about the minor league system than I am. Tyler, I'll ask you this. Is this the only fucking guy that they had to make this? Why him? Especially, he's not a prospect. He's not a spring chicken. He's not particularly good. He had like a four and a half ERA down in Worcester anyway. Why this guy?
2: Yeah, you kind of looked at it where they were. Realistically, did they have someone else? Sure. Rio Gomez. You could have gone Rio Gomez who pitched tonight, right? And gone about it that way. You also could have left Corey Kluber out there like you did and just said, if you were going to punt on this game like you already did and leave Kluber out there, following him for, you know, through six, seven innings and just say, screw it. You had Nick Pavetta, but it looked like they wanted to reset the bullpen. It's just Was the PR, all this stuff around it, ever worth it? And like Steve said, these tweets were going around during spring training. I remember seeing them on Twitter when he first signed. And secondly, the likes since then are no different. The tone hasn't changed. And he's offending every group. Like he is hitting every single one across the board. Let's not act like he's come back with an apology or anything like that. If anything, he's doubled down. He's just not putting it in a physical tweet himself.
3: Yeah, he's endorsing his beliefs now through likes versus I'm just going to put it out there myself. And he was asked about it. We don't have the sound. It literally just happened. Uh, He was asked about it after the game tonight. And he said something along the lines of, I didn't even read the Bible until 2020. So that's a little strange to be that, you know, Bible thumping action when you're, you're a rookie to the Jesus game and then to go out there and be so passionate about your your beliefs and it, i don't know i cuz some of the likes and some of the tweets from cuz red sox fans were digging up tweets from like 2011 on this dude and to buck's point about hater like 2011 2010 would make him what like in his 20s like early 20s something like that uh like i don't know that it ever like excuses the human being when he's telling you that i haven't really changed like i'm still this hateful person and I still say things and and endorse things that are highly problematic. So, yeah, I don't know for for a guy like not to put it all on Haim, but for Haim to sign off on it and say, like, we just, you know, we had the conversation with him and he, he didn't realize that he was being hurtful. You did not realize that saying that gay people won't get into
1: heaven would be hurtful to that community. Like, what are you talking about? I, I, I can't get out of my head. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Fenway Park, Pride Night, 2023. By the way, you're all going straight to hell. That that's the the, the fake PA announcement that's in my head right now. And uh, obviously, you won't be here by Tuesday. Um, but you said something, Carabas, that, that I didn't know until this very second. I didn't know that that uh, that Gomez was at least a possibility tonight which means they could have had a story that was warm and beautiful because that's pedro gomez's kid and pedro was a very good friend of mine we used to kid each other all the time constantly he was a river he that's the way he he had something to make fun of about everybody he was a good guy so they could have had that instead they had this knowing knowing and this is key that, that he was just going to be that one start. They It used to be Javon Hansack before that was Abe Alvarez. You always had that guy you'd bring up. We don't have a starting pitcher, so we're going to slot you in there to keep our pitching and take, you're not going to get 18 starts. You're not going to make the All-Star game. We know what that role is. It happens all the time. And boy, a bad move by the Sox. They just didn't think it out.
3: I'm just glad you brought up Abe Alvarez because – the 2004 <laughs> Boston Red Sox. Uh, I cut out. I, I cut out my, my fucking Internet sucks, Buck. I'm, I got the guy coming tomorrow to fix it. Abe Alvarez was the only pitcher in 2004 to make a start outside of the Red Sox rotation. And it was a spot start in a double header. So every. Red Sox starter that season made every intended start that season, which is like that's just never going to happen again. We're never going to
1: see. Not accurate.
3: Why? Who who made a spot start that didn't?
1: Uh, Kim made a start or two early in the season, and I think Pedro Astacio late in the season when they had the division lined up.
3: Pedro Astacio. I think it was someone
1: like that. It was. You go back to the last game of the season or the second last game of the season. They they had him there just for depth, and they plugged. They gave him a start. And I think Kim made a couple of starts. Kim, the guy that used to pitch to the D-backs.
3: Lumerlone hates him. Okay. Admittedly spiked him. Oh. Kurt Schilling made 32 starts. Pedro made 33 starts. Tim Wakefield made 30 starts. Derek Lowe made 33 starts. And Bronson Arroyo made 29 starts.
1: Who else made starts? Uh,
3: You've got... uh, Byung-Hung Kim made three starts. Pedro Astacio and Abe Alvarez. There you go. That's great too. Do,
1: do I? I don't. Do I get a little some props from you on that? <laughs> we
3: got the applause. You always get props from me, Buck.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, on. I just thank you here. Come on, it's geez. I just I didn't look that up. I just said it the top of my head. Just.
3: Thank you, Buck. <laughs> thank you, Buck. <laughs> Truly incredible.
4: That's why, that's why
3: he's been around. He's been around. He's uh, he, he's been around. He knows. He knows all. Uh, that is, that's just kind of like the tip of the iceberg of today's story. You've got, uh, the benching of Alex Verdugo. People are freaking out about that. Uh, what was your take on benching Alex Verdugo buck? Because I don't know. I feel like that's, that's old school and you're, you're an old school guy.
1: It, It is old school. Part of it is, so in the old, old, old days, the manager would just tell you after the game, you know, Dick Williams and you know Don Zimmer, I'm benching him tomorrow. Uh, but they've also benched guys without telling you. They would, they would just say we're giving him a day off, when the reality was he was being benched. Um, this one here was it was sort of double secret probation. Yeah, uh, I, I think it was was a Julian on the Globe that wrote it. And then Cora acknowledged it after the fact, and uh, listen, th- this team is is so horseshit right now that I don't have a problem with anybody being benched it's It's just not a good team right now. They, they don't inspire. They don't pull you in. and if if the worst thing they're doing right now is benching people, I don't have an issue with that.
3: Yeah, is that the right guy though? If you're going to send a message to the clubhouse, is that the right guy to say? Because I mean, Tyler tweeted the the clip before the game, and if you go back and watch it, yes, he—I don't want to say he dogged it because we've seen guys dog it this year, like Javi Baez and uh, was it Eloy or Robert that that dogged? It? I Robert. think it was Robert. Yeah, he got benched for dogging it. Like Verdugo, it was either like he forgot how many outs there were. That's what it didn't go hard enough into second base. Like he could have like that's a play where you slide in. But he was he went in standing up like it was very Manny-esque.
2: To me, it looked like he looked back at the first baseman thinking probably there was less than two outs. What is going on here when you just should be running through the play straight? You should be going into second hard. There's no reason for you to look at the ball. Two outs in the inning straight to second base. I think that's what it was because he was hustling when the play started. Ball off the bat, he's moving, slows down when he turns around. I think that just played more into this entire situation where, listen, the Red Sox fundamentally have been a disaster for weeks at this point. Whether it's simple stuff, just backing up people in the outfield, making the routine plays in the infield. I think Cora at this point took someone in Alex Verdugo. Who What, Devers, what, three days ago? Cora came out and defended him saying, hey, I know he's kind of dogging it to first base, but I'm okay with that. I understand that, you know, in certain situations in the middle of the season, get through 162. You got to do that. You can't bench Rafael Devers. You're not going to bench the guy you gave 300 million to. The guy in Alex Verdugo, who, you know, while he's been arguably your most consistent player throughout the year, maybe outside of Yoshida. But if you're talking all facets, it is Verdugo. This felt like his way to send a message to everybody. Verdugo was just kind of the one at the wrong time. And to say, hey, if I'm going to put this guy on the bench, I'll put any one of you on the bench.
1: Weren't Cora and Verdugo sort of going at it last year about this kind of stuff?
2: Called them out at the end of last year saying, you know, we expect a lot more from him. This guy needs, you know, if he's going to be the player he's going to need to be, there's going to need to be some massive improvements. He's not living up to what we saw him as.
1: So I think that may have been directed at that. Like, look, we don't want you stepping back in time to 2022 here. And he looked at it through that lens. Uh, who, who broke off second a week or two ago with one out on a fly ball? Was it Yoshida?
2: Yeah, forgot how many outs there were.
1: Yeah, so I mean, and then you look at that and say, "Well, this guy busts ass; he's, he hustles and all the time." I'm going to look the other way on that because he's not a repeat offender. He may be looking at, and again, I don't know. He may be looking at Purdue and going to "Say, God, I don't want to I don't want to go back to last year with this guy. But let's nip this in the bud." So.
2: The other thing I'll add, when Verdugo called that players meeting, the first one in the middle of May, Verdugo did say after that he felt like his intensity the day before was not where it needed it, where he needed it to be. So I don't know if that was something sparked. Maybe Cora came to him and was like, a couple weeks ago, we had a conversation. You kind of piece it together. You admitted your fault to the media and said you weren't hustling as hard as you're used to. And then the next game, I can't remember the exact situation, but he hustled. I think he beat out an error and it set the tone for the entire game. Maybe that's where Core is saying, all right, we have a couple of weeks now where you've made this mistake a few times. We can't let that slide with you.
1: Yeah. And if he's that guy that's going to keep making those mistakes, then yeah, Benjamin, I'm all I'm okay with it.
3: So you've got the team meeting that the Red Sox had after what, the series finale against Tampa, in which they lost. Uh, You've got the Justin Turner comments, which, which like what specifically were they, Tyler? Like he basically said, like, you know, we're, like a lot of guys like don't believe that we're as good as we are or something. Yeah, he's like, we
2: got to make the people in this clubhouse believe that we can be a team that can go far, that can make the playoffs, that has all this potential. And then you throw in the other Alex Cora comment where I think for the first time I can remember. Well, there's two.
3: There's two. Like for Cora, there was. The roster is the roster. That's
2: the one. Yeah,
3: there's that. And then he he almost he almost like borrowed a line from the opening of the last podcast (laughs) where I said, they're not good. They're not bad. They're just kind of there. He fucking says that at the podium. (laughs) He's like, yeah, we're not great. We're not bad. Like, you know, it is what it is. So I'm going to preface another statement that indirectly just says, like, Buck, you're old. But I'm going to say (laughs) that, like, Buck, you've seen a lot of baseball in your day. Uh, we're call it, I don't know. We're more, we're probably like what? 30, 30 ish percent, 33% through the season. Yeah. Can you, can like, can you get a sense for when a team is going to go south? Like by just picking up all these things that we just mentioned, like, is there a chance that this team can put it together and figure it out? Or is it like, you're kind of seeing the smoke and there's about to be a fire?
1: I, I see the smoke was about to be fired, just because the, the team itself—if if you just break up all the parts and look at what you've got here, it ain't a great team, and it, it it's not like the 2001 Red Sox, which was a was a really good team that just totally gave up and dogged it down the down the stretch, so especially after Jimmy Williams got fired and. Kerrigan became that. That was a good team. There were good some. There were some good players on that team. When you look at this team right now, they they don't, especially with Sale up, they don't have an ace. They they don't have a a Manny an Ortiz a, a Nomar in his prime, uh, and those second tier guys that the, the like the six seven hitters the, or the guy the the Eucalyptus types the those kind of guys that that you know Veretec with a think the year they won the world series is you, know, you forget they have like a 395 one base percentage they don't, they don't have those guys so you, you look at it and you go wh- where's the 10 game winning streak going to come from if, if you don't have the offense and god knows they don't have the defense and you don't have a rotation that's going to spin out like six seven eight games in a row of six seven plus innings it's just not there right now
0: we interrupt our chat with Buck to bring you a quick word from our sponsor. Beer is a tried and true baseball tradition, but Blue Moon is the only beer brewed by baseball. Blue Moon was born in a ballpark, first brewed at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. Make it your one-of-a-kind baseball tradition whether you're at the park or watching from home. A lot of these ad reads are spent shitting on Tyler, but tonight I'm not going to do that. Tonight, Tyler deserves to be celebrated because he's being courageous enough to give away one of his kidneys. He was actually so generous that he tried to give away both of his kidneys, But we said, no, Tyler, you can't do that because you're going to die like bullet. So we talked him down to one kidney, but that's still very impressive and very generous. Tyler, next blue moon I crack, which is going to be in about five seconds this one's for you. With its refreshing flavor with Valencia orange peel for a subtle sweetness and hints of coriander, Blue Moon Belgian-style wheat ale is a -a one-of-a-kind beer that's made brighter. It's carefully crafted and full-flavored with refreshing notes and a smooth, creamy finish. Blue Moon was brewed by baseball to give you a dose of nostalgia and get you excited for the new season. Why strike out with the same old beer when you can get something one-of-a-kind? Its bold flavor, bright color, and iconic orange slice ritual guarantee a -a one-of-a-kind beer experience perfect for spring weather. Best served with its signature orange garnish to showcase it's beautiful, bright color. A beer this good only comes around once in a blue moon, but you can enjoy it all season long. Keep baseball traditions alive with Blue Moon Belgian style wheat ale. It's one of a kind every time. Check out shop.bluemoonbrewingcompany.com for baseball merch and visit getbluemoonbeercom slash Jared to find Blue Moon delivery options. That's getbluemoonbeercom slash Jared. Blue Moon. Made brighter. Celebrate responsibly. Blue Moon Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado Ale.
3: Braves just had a walk off bomb
2: to sweep the Mets. Oh my god! I guess it could be worse.
3: It could yeah. be, way- yeah. I mean, you could be the Mets right now. What is what's not, your, t- on a, what's your uh, take on all that? People, I feel like a lot of people don't know that you're, you're a Mets fan, Buck. Like, what's your what's your take on the uh, the way that the the baseball has gone as a sport? Where, especially here, you can tie it into the Red Sox. Where fans are clamoring for, you know, spend more, and John Henry's cheap, and all that. And then you look around at the Phillies; they're under five hundred. Look at what the Mets are doing. Look at what's happening to the Padres. Like, where? What, what's your take on the state of baseball from like a business well, financial standpoint?
1: I have a text thread with like two buddies that are similar. I mean, they're big Mets fans, and all their all their texts are like coming across on the top of my iPad right now. So before you told me it was a lockup, I kept getting bling, 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 bling from his <laughs> friends of mine, and uh, and I can tell you are pissed. Um, well, at the end of the day, I would rather they be like Cohen and spending a ton of money and getting the fans really, really excited. Um, it may not be working, but but God, the guy, the guy, the has got two Ws in his eyes. He wants to win, and with the Red Sox right now, I I'm hard pressed to explain exactly what the plan is. If if it's to be the number twelve payroll, that's fine. But if you're going to be the number twelve payroll, you've got to go out and be, like like the Rays are. Here they find guys that that like, whoa, where did that guy come from? And I mean, look at the Pirates right now. The Pirates have a low payroll, and you know they, they're putting it together. And you know it's a weak it's a weak division there, but they're they're challenging for a playoff spot. And if the Red Sox want to be plucky underdogs and have a mid-level payroll, and have guys that take the extra base and you know, throw the elbow and knock you down and get dirt on them and stuff, then fine, but they're not that team either. So you've got to be one or the other. If you're going to be the 67 Red Sox and and challenge the world, bring it on. That's a lot of fun. Or if you're going to be Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, Bill Miller, Kevin Miller, and just have, just have a bunch of big, thump, thumpy guys up there, they're going to blow you over that's good too but you got to be one or the other this is sort of mix and match and throw this guy in here and uh and it's it's not working and more's the point it's not just that it's not working it's not it's not making me sit down there every night and lean forward into the TV set and go god I love baseball let's dial this up that's what's missing right now
3: yeah it is i mean we we fucking tried buck we we were trying to to, to gas it up and be super positive about this team. And for a while we didn't, we didn't like, we were like, it it was legitimate. It was genuine. There was nothing fraudulent about it. Um, and then we just kind of got to a point where, uh, I think it all started to crack in the St. Louis series when Kenley Jansen blew those two saves. And, uh, you know, they kind of right the ship. They took that series from San Diego. And did they did they they took the series from the from the D-backs too, yeah, right?
2: they showed up and like, look at how good the D-backs are. They're 12, 13 games over 500. I think the reality is with a lot of this is, yeah, you had certain guys overperforming like Jaron Duran's of the world who were hitting 400 for a couple of weeks. Like that was just never going to happen. You could not expect that kind of production. But you lose a Chris Sale. You lose a John Schreiber. You lose Chris Sale, you're taking Cutter Crawford out of that bullpen now. You're now forcing him to kind of be a big part of that rotation here. You're taking away from a strength in the bullpen that was almost perfect to begin the year. You took away the ace in the rotation, which shame on the Red Sox, because they told you during the offseason, they wanted to get two number two type pitchers to push everyone down and protect those guys. They didn't do that. If anything, they told Nate Ovaldi to screw after they put that three-year deal on the table and took it away when he came back for it. So yeah, you have regression from some guys that just weren't going to hit at these ridiculous rates for large portions of the season. Emmanuel Valdez, what he gave you the first couple of weeks, he's turned into a complete dud lately, needs to go back down to AAA. It's just, it's a combination of overperformance injuries. And we talked about how thin the margin was for this team. That's all it takes. It took a couple bad breaks and here the Red Sox are what, you know, now a game under 500. And it looks like it's all caving in, in on itself because all the teams you look up in the AL East, none of them are getting, you know, weaker. And they're already dealing with injuries. Those teams already have problems going on with them. They're not even at their full strength yet. Even the race. look at all the injuries they've had.
3: Mm. What was the um What was the Red Sox team that everyone's comparing this Oakland A's team to? The 1932 Red Sox or something? Yeah, like that? It, it's, I think
1: it is 1932. I think that, yeah. The, How yeah. bad
3: were they? Just from like a first hand perspective,
1: <laughs> they were they were amiable and approachable. I can tell you that much. And uh, mm. not once all season did. A member of that team told me I was going to hell. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so, that is, so there was that. That
3: was a tough break. I'll miss you when you're in hell, Buck. That, <laughs> I, you know what? I'll go to hell with you. I, I'm down to party with Buck in hell. That's going to be a great time. Uh, is there any type of scenario that you see this team turning it around? Like, is there anything that you see where it's like, if this goes right? I mean, obviously, they still have Adam Duvall coming back this weekend. If they have uh, Trevor Story coming back at some point, are those additions impactful enough to write the ship in your mind? Or is it just too, because it's not like they're not an abomination. Like there's st- a game under 500 is because if I had told you back in spring training, Hey buck, uh, second week of June, the Red Sox are going to be right around 500. You're probably taking that. Aren't you?
1: Yes. The problem okay. is that in, in, in my, the numbers, these two lines may not be exactly as I seem to remember them, but, When I was doing the Celtics for a month and a half in the playoffs and before that the Bruins, it seemed like the the Red Sox were on the ascendancy just when it appeared the Celtics, okay, they're not going to go to the NBA Finals because they made it to game seven. And in my head, given the way the Red Sox were playing, I'm thinking, okay, this is great. As soon as the Celtics are done, we're all going to just go to Kenmore Square. We're just going to pivot to an exciting, interesting Red Sox. They, 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 They had it right there. People would have been attracted to this team if, if, if they made some noise. And while we're at it, they, even, even if you take statistics, wins, losses, and all that, they're not that interesting. And that's a problem. I think part of it is, you know, they have a first-year Japanese player that we really don't get to know the way we know other players because of this language barrier. Uh, Rafi, his, his, his English is getting better and better and better but not to the degree where he's going to come on the post-game show and tell you about, I was at the bakery today, and there maybe a special loaf of bread, and this woman came here. He, he, he's not anecdotal. So you're not getting that kind of stuff that, that Ortiz would always deliver, and Pedroia had that kind of snarky countenance about him. And that's what's kind of missing. Now, that's not Himes' fault. That's not Corey's fault. You, you, I mean, you're not going to go out and you know, sign personality or they'd have 25 Kevin Millars there. You can't do it that way, that has to be organic and be a byproduct of the team you put together. Be that as it may they they don't pull me in and that's that's an issue and I thought that when the Celtics were done, I was gonna take a few days off, grab a cup of coffee, take the dogs out, and go to fenway and um and I'll be at Fenway uh because I like baseball, but not with the same boy, this is the team I'm going to be writing about um for the next three or four months. I have this fear that some big bossy editor guy down in New York's going to say Steve you got to go to Foxborough now. And um I don't I don't hate the Patriots, but I sure hate training camp. And it's, <laughs> yeah. it's 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 not interesting to me one bit.
3: No. No. And and to your point about the team being interesting, we kind of had a conversation about that last episode where uh like the listeners of the podcast were like, "Well, when are you guys going to do more interviews with the Red Sox. Wait, Buck. Oh, I'm sorry, I thought you said with something Buck. Else. Yeah. Well, I was like, when, when's Buck coming back? And I was like, we'll get him next week. Don't worry about it. So we got Buck. But then for the players, they were saying, you know, when are you going to get the <coughs> interviews? And I mean, Verdugo doesn't do a lot of media. Uh, Devers, you mentioned the language barrier. Yoshida, same thing. And then you kind of just go down the line. There's still some interesting stories there. Like we keep talking about like getting a guy like Tanner Houck on here. He would be a very nice interview. Uh, Tristan Casas. But he he's like hit or miss on whether he wants to do stuff like that, their job. And I totally get it. Like, I'm not like, what the fuck? Like, why don't you want to do it? Uh, Their job is to play baseball. They're not really doing that very well either. But it's it's almost like I've been living in this like um this Ferris Bueller's day off where every day it's it's been the same. And uh, it's been since 2019 because. That's why when we went down to spring training and we shot so much content, like we had that in mind of you know, if this thing falls off the rails quick, you know, we gotta get them happy before they play a game uh but like 2019, 2020 we couldn't be there twenty one was fine, but last year, this year, it's just you get to a certain point where everyone in the room is miserable. no one like in and it's different in this market, I've noticed, obviously going to other markets late in the year. Like I went to Baltimore one year when they were bad, went there in like July, August and like did interviews with those players and they were happy to do it. Uh, I went to Colorado, interviewed a bunch of Rockies. They were like 500 games out of first place. They were happy to do it. Uh, But in Boston, it's like if, if you're not playing well, it's not like you have to be in first place, but if you're not like interesting or playing well and the vibes are bad, then they feel like I can't do like fun stuff. Like I can't, do your Nesson show where I go like sneaker shopping with you. I can't do your podcast where we're joking around because everyone's miserable and I'm supposed to be miserable. It's just, it's a, it's not a fun dynamic. Were when you like when
1: making cake or something with Kike a few weeks ago or something. What <laughs> we were painting. Painting. We were okay, painting. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, yeah. Now you were doing something goofy.
3: Yeah. We went to wine and paint night, but that was in spring training. Like that was like everything that we've shot so far has been in spring training. And it's like, yeah, we're trying to like do more episodes, but we got to like pick and choose like who's who's happy. Is anybody happy? (laughs) You want to you want to come do this this fun show? But, you know, like uh, if guys aren't performing on an individual basis, too, like there's guys that like uh, like in 2021, maybe or even like last year, um, there is there there were like a few guys where the team wasn't doing so bad, but like the player individually wasn't doing good. And they're like, I can't I can't like how am I supposed to go do fun stuff with you because the entire reaction is going to be like getting the fucking cage and whatever, like work on your hitting. So that's, uh, that's more speaks to your point about like the team being interesting. And it's just like this tightrope that you have to walk. And I'm sure you know that better than anyone because you're, you're, you've been in the clubhouse for many, many years. It's
1: not but a good I- situation. And and by the way, even story is that, you know, is a great guy, you know, obviously he's out with the injury, but, he he is not a and again, this is nothing to do with wins and losses. It's got everything to do with marketing. But that's what that's what helps get eyeballs on Nesson and people listening on the radio and going to the games. They they are attracted to the team. They are attracted to the players because they are interesting, because they 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 do funny things on TV. They do stuff with you. And and don't think for a second that's not important because it is, and it helps get people into the ballpark. And there, there isn't a single player on the team right now that I, I – like, who's the people's choice? Who's the, Who's that guy right now? I mean, who's the guy – who's Mr. Red Sox? Let's put it it's that d- way. It's Devers, I mean, Devers, right?
2: You cling to Devers, but like you said, there's but you're, not those Devers attachments. Because
1: it, it, it's Devers because of the contract, not because of the personality. You see what I'm saying? It's and and and, and, I, and if they and I'm not saying they should have let Devers go and sign Bogarts, but but Bogarts was Mr. Red Sox. He's a like a warm, friendly guy that everybody's attracted to. He he knew the names of the writers. He talked to fans. I mean, and again, nothing to do with wins and losses. I get that you can't go out and sign 25 Kevin Malaris. I say that every single day. But you you've you've got to have something there that really pulls people in. And right now. In addition to the bad baseball, they don't have that fringe benefit right now.
2: And, and like to your point, Steve, I think the best example is the Padres, right? The Padres are underperforming. They have not lived up, but they are selling out every single night. That place is rocking every night because you know why? They have the star power there to kind of accelerate this thing, to make everyone kind of care. When you have Juan Soto, Fernando Tatis Jr., Xander Bogarts, all these different names out there, it gets fans interested in a certain <laughs> way. Does it mean wins? Not exactly, but from a marketing standpoint, that's what it'll do for you. Even in a market like San Diego, that was non existent for so many years, Boston, like it's been five years, and you see how upset and how angry people are. If you brought Star Power back in in the next couple of years, I think you'd see a lot of people come back. Not everybody, but it definitely opened the door a lot more than it is right now because it feels like for a majority I'm, of people, the doors close.
1: I'm, I'm not gifted in the, the, the art of selling tickets and season ticket packages and group plans and all that, but in in the absence of any real knowledge, I would guess that a great deal of Padres tickets were sold in advance during the offseason in anticipation of a great, you know, it, you know, Tatista's coming back and they had Bogart, just right right there. That that's a reason to run out and buy tickets. And and they got a cool ballpark and they're right downtown and all that. So I could see a lot of advanced tickets for the Padres. I'm guessing, and if Sam was on here right now, he might say I'm full of baloney. I'm guessing that advanced sales for the Sox for this year were, were down and people were taking sort of a wait-and-see approach. Well, boy, if they're good, I'll start going. And they're not good, and people aren't, like, lining up to go into Fenway. I've seen games on TV where, where you look out in right field and go, boy, those seats are usually filled, and they're not always right now.
2: I I think that was what a lot of people got pissed off at. I think it was Bloom who did say it when he was talking to um, Cotillo about everything. But basically what he said was, you know, during spring training or at the start of spring training, we were ahead in terms of sales. It was like, well, yeah, you compare last year. They were in a lockout. So, like, what did that mean when you were trying to push that narrative that like, oh, no, everyone is in on this team. People are excited. They were in a (laughs) lockout last year. We didn't know if we were going to have baseball in the first place.
1: That's a great I didn't even consider that, but yeah, I mean, there, there was at least the nagging possibility there wouldn't be a season last year. I think at the end of the day, most of us realized there was too much money at stake, and they, they would work this out, which you know what they did. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you're the casual fan that was planning, the, there's one, one theory I've had is, is that that back in the day, I think um, <clears throat> this many people went to a ton of Red Sox games. Like when I was a kid, uh, I'd go to 15, 20, 25 games a year. I mean, I was so close to Fenway Park and it was easy to get to. And people would make impulse decisions at 6 o'clock. Hey, let's go to the game. What happens now is that a lot more people, a ton more people from all over New England go to fewer games. And I know that to be true because I always hear people saying, oh, we've got tickets for July 9th. We've got tickets for August 12th because they planned it. I don't ever remember growing up anybody saying, oh, we've got tickets for July 6th. It's just big deal. I mean, you you would make a decision an hour before the game to go to the game. People didn't plan it. Now you've got a ton of people planning games. They're planning the visit. And if the product doesn't inspire them, they, they don't make those advanced plans. And this is all just me this is just all observational stuff.
3: I, uh, I, I try to keep perspective because I am one of those fans that grew up with the four world series titles. I there was not a a ton of pain and suffering. Like I was old enough to, uh, suffer through, um, like the 99 ALCS and the 2003 ALCS. Like I, I've told you that story before Buck about how, I had tickets to game one of the World Series in 2003. And I thought from listening to my teachers and my relatives that the Red Sox going to the World, never mind winning, going to the World Series was a once in a lifetime opportunity. So I was heartbroken and distraught when they lost in game seven in 2003. So there's been that type of pain and suffering. But for this team right now like again like not trying to like lose perspective or anything can you recall a team where you just it it to your point about like it, it doesn't draw <clears throat> you in the lack of stars and it's just like there's baseball so you're gonna watch it because you're a baseball fan but like this year specifically i'm just like it, it's almost like background noise like i, I have it on but like i'll I'll be, like, doing other things while, like, the game is on. Like, I'm not sucked in whatsoever at all.
1: I would say the 95 Red Sox were like that to me. That they, Didn't they win the division? They did win the division. And they, they, they went to the postseason. They lost to the Indians in the first round. But, but there was a um, – the season started late. Remember, 94, they canceled the season. There was no World Series. Spring training started late. And uh, Duquette was sort of reassembling the team. And, you know, you get guys like Troy O'Leary, they brought in. No one had ever heard of him. Early in the season, Tim Wakefield had been released by the Pirates. I think in the previous year, he was like 5-15 and 15 with the highest ERA in professional baseball at AAA Buffalo. And they they signed him, had the Negroes working with him down in Fort Myers. And he comes out and wins those two West Coast games early on. But that was not a team that anybody thought was going to go great guns except that they did. They kind of got a little flat late in the season. They went into that, you know, Mo had that big season that year. Um, But that was to me, when you talk about like surprise teams and again, they had Mo Vaughn, that's going to help. And they had Val and they they had some good players, but nobody thought that team was going to be that good.
3: Yeah. I mean like that, even like you had like an MVP season for Mo and we can debate whether or not he should have won it or not, but he did. um, are we? That I guess that's more my question. Are we spoiled for
1: being like where are the stars? Oh yeah, or I where, mean yeah, of course. And it's not sports. and it's not just a Red Sox thing. I mean, it's all four teams. As 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 we've talked about ad nauseum, all four teams have combined for twelve championships since the old one Patriots and six by the Patriots, four by the Red Sox, uh, one each by the Bruins and Celtics. And you could even if you take those twelve teams, put them aside. Let's take those out of the mix. You've got three Super Bowl losses by the Patriots. You've got one, two, three NBA finals losses by the Celtics. You've got Bruins against the Taylor Blues, Chicago Blackhawks, two losses. I mean, you've had one, two, three, four, five, six. You know, you've had eight teams go to the finals. And then you go to the step below that, the Sox losing to the Rays in 08. Uh, the Celtics teams that lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, you've had some really, really, really good teams here since 2001. And again, take the championships out. There's so many near misses. And on top of that, it hasn't just been good teams, it's been big stars. It's, you know, the, the big three of Pierce Allen and Garnett, uh, Brad Marchand, Patrice Bergeron, Tim Thomas, who had that great postseason in 11, Brady. And any any number, you know, Ortiz, Manny, all those guys with the Red Sox, um, <clears throat> that's not around right now. I mean, you've you've had some stars on the Celtics with Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. You still got Patrice and Marchand and all that, but it 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 the whole thing has dipped since that last championship, which would have been the Patriots beating the Rams in the Super Bowl.
3: Mm. Yeah. I I I just I do my best to keep perspective. I never want to be the the whiny entitled Boston sports fan that is complaining about losing. Because I've always said that, um, you know I I will sit through like we're one sixty two guys here. We'll sit through every single game, shit season or not, because it it does make the championship seasons better. Not even just championships. Like the the good seasons. Like twenty twenty one was a breath of fresh air. You came up for air. It was a fun season. That was awesome. Yeah. They had good guys, like easy to root for. Um, Like those years are far more enjoyable. If you sit through the shit years, it just, I am a little fed up and frustrated with sitting through the shit years. Like it shouldn't happen as often as it does in this market. Like that's, that's
1: all. And by the way, when when we talk about these surprise teams, 2013, again, they had Ortiz and they had Lester, but, you 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 look at the way Charrington stitched that team together. You know Mike Carp and Napoli and Victorino and Johnny Gomes and sure. uh yeah, and Drew. I mean, it, I mean, it just goes on. Jake Peavy. It just goes on and on and on. And like when you look back at it, go go look at that team when we're done. Look at like all the, there were like fourteen guys they picked up and they stitched them all together. And I had no belief that that team was going to win, even late in the season. Like, I don't know, but just not a good team. And, you know, next thing you know, they win the World Series.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, I know you got to go to bed, Buck. You're, you're <laughs> up late right now. It's, it's past your bedtime. Uh, are you doing the uh, old-time baseball game
0: this year?
1: Glad you asked. Thursday, August 24th at St. Peter's Field in Cambridge. We're doing it as a benefit for the Boston home, which treats adult multiple sclerosis patients. Some of your listeners may know a kid um, uh, well, we've got—I don't want to name all the names we've got. But we've got a, like a lot of cool players in our game this year. And I, I don't think I've said this publicly. but Fred Lynn's going to be at our game this year.
0: Oh, and, breaking uh, news!
1: He's uh, yeah, I haven't announced it yet, but the, I'm, I'm, it. Pl- I'm playing in the room here. But uh, um, so, are you going to don the threads again? You haven't played with us in quite a while. I suck.
3: I can't like I can't embarrass. myself I'll I'll go. Is it what is it a Thursday it's this a year?
1: Thursday and the socks are off
3: okay, I Ooh. will
2: come on will be there
3: I'll be there I'm not playing I can't play anymore we, we don't I'm,
1: want you we want your
3: name we want I'll Garrett, be there Garrett. if you want <laughs> Buck if you want me to be there, I'll be there I'll coach a base i'll 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 spray the mound I'll dust off the. Plate. I just want to
1: tell the cool kids hey, you know Corrales is going to be here and that's I'll another be there. All right, that's
3: all I I'm gonna and right. Tyler's gonna be there too. He's donating a kidney. And so after he does that, he's gonna we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna bring Tyler. Jake will be there as well.
1: You donating a kidney? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Same day surgery.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's uh it's it's a it's a courageous act. We're very uh we're very proud of him for doing I, that. I feel I'm like gonna... a dick
1: that we spent all this time talking about the Red Sox, we should have been talking about you.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. not him.
2: all heroes he's, wear capes.
1: That's... He's been getting <laughs> plenty of praise
3: for it. he's a great guy. We were very appreciative of Tyler's donation. Um, but all right. I, what's the date
1: again? August what Thursday, Thursday, August 24th. And it's the night before the Dodgers come to time.
3: Oh, perfect. All right.
1: Oh. I, I will be there in what capacity.
3: I don't know yet. Buck, I don't know if I can play because you don't use metal bats. Like I got to hit home. You know, yeah. wooden like bats. Yeah. It's, it's the old time baseball game. So I got to go up there with like a fucking toothpick and try and like plop singles into right field. Didn't we
1: put you in a socks uniform one year?
3: Yes, and it was made out of wool and it was very hot. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very interesting. I, I seem to
1: yeah. recall we put you in like the Hawaii Islanders uniform the first year you played, and yeah, you did yeah, some green. bitching about that.
3: It was very hot. No. I'm a diva. I'm no. I mean if you if no, you want I'm well a diva, trust me, I've yeah.
1: lived it.
3: Yeah. I mean oh. I uh by the way, I would love to face someone that sucks. Every time I play in that game, Like I threw a. F- I, I I I remember my first time playing in the game. I faced some college pitcher that was like a fucking submarine. I was like, I looked out at him. I was like, are you serious, dude? I was like, I didn't go to the batting cages to prepare for this. I haven't played organized baseball since 2010. And they got fucking Chad Bradford in his prime on the mound.
1: (laughs) Well, when we had Roger Clemens in the game a few years ago, he showed up. He didn't understand that it was real baseball players. He thought old time he thought he was be a bunch of old guys. he was just going to be like, <laughs> yeah. you know Jimmy fun batting practice kind of thing right. and, and he turns to me and says, he says, fuck, these are real players here and uh, and so he put a little giddy up on it and pitched two shout out innings, and he told me <laughs> that's what it was you know, and he threw his arm out he wasn't planning on he thought he thought it was just going to be fun old guys, and right. it was like this guy from b c and this guy from Northeastern and this guy from Bentley, they like, like real you know, like 20, 21, 22 year old guys that have been playing, you know, 80 games since January. And, yeah. um, and so Roger to his credit, you know, reached back and said, okay, I'm going to get these guys out. And he did.
3: Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need, like when I stroll up to the plate, I'm in a very calm, relaxed state, but I feel like that guy or that kid on the mound is gonna be like, I'm going to pull more stank on this fastball because I want the bragging rights of being able to strike this guy out. So like I w- got a target on my back. So you want me to line up a guy who
1: can't pitch very well to pitch to you?
3: Yeah, I want I want someone that's blind, something like that. Yeah,
1: Caleb Orr. Okay. this is yeah. this is what I can promise you. So we have a couple of coaches who are former pitchers that mm-hmm. are in there, like late thirties, and James Greeley. Uh, the uh, you're just uh, you're signing me up to embarrass myself. No, but these are Ariseu Azarello, He's the baseball coach at Medford High. He's he's a he's 46, 47 years old. He pitched in our game for like all through high school in Framingham State and for several years. Now he's one of our coaches. He's our like 10th inning pitcher. If the game is tied, we have to go to 10 innings. We we, we we roll him out there. And I think he actually had to do that uh, several years ago. So we will line him up to come in to pitch to you. How old is he? 47. Oh, if I can't hit a home run off this guy. Yeah, and are you, are you are you a righty batter? Yeah. Okay, it's even better. He's a a three-quarter lefty. Oh, perfect. Do you guys test? (laughs) I mean, we test for, like, Twinkies and beer and stuff. That's about all All those guys would test positive for.
3: All right, perfect. Just asking. So
1: you're talking about a 47-year-old lefty that throws like this, coming over the side, which means you get to see the baseball for another minute and a half before it comes across the plate.
3: Yeah, I am going to talk to him before the game and be like, "Listen, fastballs only, don't throw me any curveballs, like nothing like that, no changeups." No, we've actually done uh, that. You
1: know, you know when 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 Pedro played uh, uh Martinez a few years back, he was gonna he wanted to bat. So we batted him third. Uh he so he pitched the top of the first for the home team, and the bottom of the first, he he was we batted him third. I think we had Lou Maloney bat second. We had some kid some little kid bat third from like Tufts or something. Alumaloni bats second and Pedro third. The pitcher was a pretty good pitcher from BC, and I said, "Look, don't lob it in there because that that will be disrespectful. Throw three fastballs, like cock high, as we say, right down wow. the middle of the plate, and but um, don't throw your big bender or your fork ball or any of that stuff. You know, don't have Pedro swinging off one foot. And um, I think he grounded out. He, he got he got his bat in the ball.
3: So." Yeah, I mean, I hate running too, so I don't do cardio. Yeah. Um, so if I don't hit a homer, I'm gonna fake an Achilles injury. So you
1: can't run, but you can do a home run trot.
4: Did I cut out? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. I yeah. I I sounds like
2: you're dodging the question.
1: Yeah. What I I asked you was, you can't run, but you can do a home run trot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: (laughs) I can definitely do a home run trot for sure. But if I hit the ball on the ground, then I am going to fake an Achilles injury. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So have an ambulance. That would be great because parking can sometimes be, it's a little congested there sometimes. So if I can just get an ambulance out of the the whole area, that would be perfect.
1: Whatever staging I have to do to get your ass at the game, I can do. (laughs) I'll be there. I'll be there. All
3: right. Steve Buckley. Thank you so much for taking the time. It's always good to catch up with you. Uh, we got we got uh, we got to do another night at Buck soon.
1: Oh yeah, come on over. I'd love to have you. I'm getting hey, we're getting a new puppy uh, Saturday, new chocolate lab.
3: So
2: Oh,
1: uh, don't tell Tyler that. So <laughs> Just...
2: stop it, Jared. <laughs> I mean
1: No, I've been I've been I've been raising labs since 1996 and we usually have 3 of them and the oldest one uh, it's even now, it's tough for me to say. The oldest one died in January, she was 14 years and eight months. So, we've just had two, the last since January. And we lined up uh, a new lab up in Orrington, Maine. And my friend Leslie, with whom I share the dog, she lives next door. She's going up uh tomorrow night, staying overnight, picking it up, and driving back on Saturday. So, uh, wow. as of Saturday night, Sadie will be the new puppy in the house. So, Sadie. Yeah.
3: Sexy Sadie. Yes. So. I uh. So that means the last time I saw you in person was January, because I just was like in the neighborhood and I just called up Buck. I was like, "Hey, I'm coming
1: over." Like, yeah. Go, yeah. And uh, yeah. and by the way, I do tell when when it comes to taking credit for your career, I can mm-hmm. say that you parked at my house before your big meeting. With, true. with the guy with the bag of money. So
3: you dr- you drove me there. Yeah. So. I, I I had I had a meeting in uh, where was it?
1: So so this is the great carabi story like this, this tough cool hip kid lives <laughs> lives in the suburbs and is afraid to drive in the city because he doesn't where know not where to park Yeah I don't know I'm, no, I'm not a street parker the meeting. The meeting was at Grafton's in Harvard yes. Square and yes. and you, you you my memory was I don't know where to park eh. yeah. So I said drive to my house park at my house I Would drive you to Grafton's, which is like um, then come pick me up and then come come pick you up. And yeah. then you showed up there, and the guy had the bag of money, and here we are. Yeah, so <laughs> here we are.
3: Yeah, but it all happened at Grafton's. Yeah, yeah I parked at Buck's. Buck drove me there, <laughs> the meeting was over. I was like, Hey, Buck, I'm done. <laughs> can't, can't pick me up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It was good. To catch up. Um, yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to I'm going to bring Tyler the next time. We got to get totally. him acclimated to a, a buck powwow. Yeah. Over in that area.
2: Yeah, please. I'm ready. I'll
3: be in touch. All right. Thank you, Buck. See you guys. Thank you. See ya. All right. Big thanks to Buck for coming on by um, Jared. What?
2: He believed that I'm giving my kidney to somebody. Of course he did. You are. This is who who is my kidney going to? You haven't told me.
3: It's going to go to it's going to be somewhere in, in perfect is you could do a you could get it sponsored by blue moon because you're going to be uh, donating your kidney out in denver colorado
2: oh there's someone in colorado looking for a kidney mm-hmm. do you know their name or are we going to just kind of drop it oh, off we're at not going to
3: we're not going to talk government names here but it's uh it's a fan of the show she's listening right now okay she's a big fan of yours by the way speaking of big fans of yours did you see that fucking five paragraph essay on the section ten Reddit about Shut how on you're the best.
2: Was that Martha? No, it was not Martha, but I saw that was the most like comment underneath it. I I
0: honestly Jake, did you see this? I did didn't see, see it until before the game. No, I'm about to read oh, it. Right oh my
3: God. I'm not even I I don't have time it was sweet. To read it, but it was very damning. Like if you were to say that this was either Tyler or Martha or some sort of relative, a former like high school teacher of Tyler's, the uh, the headline is Tyler Milliken is the best. All capitals, best member of the podcast. True. And if I were to copy and paste this post, you're looking at at least eight thousand words. And and this person, to their credit, they don't put us down. Like they don't put down me or Jake. But it is a literal five paragraph essay. About how Tyler Milliken is the best, which, hey, I don't disagree. I think you're great, Tyler. I'm not Thank I'm not you. sitting here being like, what is this person talking about? But it just felt a little,
2: I don't know, sus. It was a little sus. All I looked at it as is, you know, you go through hard times in your life. You need something to kind of pick you up, a positive symbol. And when the Red Sox are playing bad, my work life is hard. My regular life is hard. Everything is hard. So for a message like that, I did appreciate it a ton. Um, I thought the comments were hilarious underneath it as well, but <laughs> I do appreciate the uh, getting a little love. I, I think people worry sometimes <laughs> that I feel hated or whatever it is, because, like, you know, we make jokes, whatever it may be. Um, I get dunked on my fair share amount, but I do feel the love from everyone. I don't want anyone to think I feel hated or like I'm, you know, the odd one out or anything. I felt very oh, accepted by the community. Yeah, people love you.
3: I think that that was that was one of the comments was like I this this feels this feels odd to come to Tyler's defense to this degree when I think um you know a
2: lot of people a lot of people love you. That's it. And I think with the bullet stuff, it's really for some people. They feel like there's a lot of salt in that wound. There
3: is. There's a lot of there's a lot of deep deep um you know. <laughs> I'm just I'm looking at the Frank the tank <laughs> is how long is the video? It's I don't know if there was one before this, but he he absolutely tore his shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> watching, like there's there's nothing left. Oh um, oh my god! It just straight nipples the minute I clicked yeah. on the
2: video. Yeah, he this- destroyed his shirt. This is how it feels watching the Red Sox right now, though. I I can't disconnect from it. Like when you're struggling as a fan and you're looking for someone to. Because we're a little crazy. Uh, There's got to be something wrong with you to be watching the Red Sox 162, especially this team. You got to be sick in the head. You can relate in a small level to the madness going on in his head. Because, you know, similar to to what you go through, Jared, when the Red Sox are bad, people talk to you weird. People look at you weird. You come to 98.5 to do work with Maz. You know you get get kicked in the dick a little bit. I get it just being at 98.5 because everyone knows I'm a Red Sox fan. Mm -hmm. You got to let it out somewhere. And that's his way of letting it out. Sure.
3: I feel like we've done a good job. Like we haven't been overreactionary to losses. I think it's just it went from like vibes are high to the wind got taken out of our sails. Like, I don't think that we're screaming at the sky. Um, I don't think that we're saying things that uh, we don't necessarily mean like knee jerk reaction type stuff. We're not doing any of that. Uh, I think people people resonated with last week's or last episode about, you know, just being frustrated and, and all that and being fed up with it. And w- where's the light at the end of the tunnel? I think a lot of fans feel that way, but we're still going to watch. Still going to fucking watch 162 of these goddamn things.
2: I think the harder part as well is really until, you know, let's say before the last three series, now that they've dropped three in a row, we were most people felt like, all right, this team no matter what, isn't going to fall through the ground. We're not looking at a situation where you're playing three months of basically uncompetitive baseball like you were last year. You're just counting the days till it's over. This series, last series, the one before that, have felt like a team going through the motions. And -hmm. then you're taking away those weapons. You've lost Chris Sale. John Schreiber's still out. Like You're just sitting back here and you're realizing as you kind of piece it together, is it really going to get that much better? And I think anyone who's being realistic here is, yeah, they're not as bad as they're playing right now, but even if they kind of get, you know, some wind back in their sails, is it going to make, you know, are you going to be in this conversation throughout the year? Most likely not because you're already pretty far out of that wild card conversation and the teams that are in there. I don't expect any of them to fall off.
3: No, I don't either. Are you, uh, are you, are you giving up on the socks right now?
2: No, I, I feel like I did going into the year. You know, you look at, our predictions, I, I had them at 85 wins. Am I a little nervous about 85 right now? Sure. Uh, but I didn't have them making the playoffs. I, I thought the American League was going to be too good. I think this team's rate, right, you know, in that 500, a little bit better area. One And now they're getting a Duvall back. Let's see what happens with some of the other injuries in the coming days. Schreiber's throwing now, or at least playing catch. I, I ran into him the other day. How do you see him? Good.
3: Yeah, he seemed upbeat. He's, he's Yeah, he feels good.
2: Yeah, so I don't know. I think where I am, where the Red Sox right now is there's smoke that I'm smelling. I, I can smell the shit a little bit that something is weirds going on. There's something's off. I, I don't know exactly what it is, what it's leading to. But two team meetings within like a three week span, the Verdugo benching, Justin Turner's comments, Alex Cora's comments. It feels like stuff you start to smell when... The, the dipshit that they called up today. Yeah, exactly. Like there's Eventually, too many things happen in a row, and then they start to kind of connect with each other where you're like, all right, now this is the stuff that could get people fired. This is the stuff that could make this team not a 500 team and a team that falls through the floor the last couple months, and you're sitting here at the end like, dude, what the fuck happened? And I, I think that's why the team meetings have been so important because the Red Sox realized Dude, you another bad week and dude, it falls apart so fast. Like you're barely hanging on, hanging around 500 right now. You know, now one game under you. Another bad series, another two bad series. You got the Yankees the next two weekends here, especially without Aaron Judge. If you can't be competitive and find your way here, you might fall through the floor. And then that's when you get to the point where the rumors about Bloom, the rumors about Cora. You're talking about who you're selling off at of the trade deadline. You know, it's June 8th. All those conversations become very real. And you put that around any ball club. It just makes it toxic and scary. And, you know, Terry Francona said it best. I thought he told Katillo um, the other day. Sometimes a message goes stale. Sometimes someone in Boston, when something's wrong, when you have this kind of fall of a season, like, you know, they had in 2011 or, you know, this year, if they come in last place again, and it's really ugly, someone's going to take the fall. Someone has to get blamed in a city like Boston. That means people are going to get fired. You can't live like this. It has to be a better product than this or that's where we're going to
4: be.
3: I feel like we should ask somebody that question.
4: I'm Who? curious. Um, let's see. McDog. My new nickname.
3: Hey. hey hola. Hola. Um, I'm curious, uh, what you think about, um, the state of the Red Sox right now as someone who's there every day, are the vibes as weird as they feel on the outside?
5: I was at a rehearsal dinner tonight and, uh, not Cleveland, (laughs) but I mean, (laughs) no, I mean, it's just, you know, it's not just the poor performance. I think now it's just embarrassment factor. I think the little league play the other day, the Dermody thing today, it's just, it is, it is not a good scene. I think that's obvious, but, um, I can't speak to the vibes, uh, at this very moment, but I I don't think they should be painted in a positive light.
3: Well, I mean, you talk to other people on the beat. I'm sure you probably have your little beat text thread. What are the beat people saying?
5: Don't ever refer to it as a beat text thread ever again.
3: Why You don't have a beat thread. Sounds
2: hot.
5: (laughs) We're all competitors, so, you know, I mean, I don't know, this would be a call for Chris Smith. I mean, I don't know. I think they're just, they. I can't imagine today's move went over particularly well, so. um, But it, it just, I think they're in a weird place, you know? They're in a weird place.
3: So, I mean, because <clears throat> now the rumors are going to start swirling about job security. I already heard Maz, who you were on, 98.5 Sports Hub Baseball Hour. Catch it 6 to 7, Monday through Friday, with Tony Maserati. You get Tyler Milliken on Fridays. You get Chris Cattillo on Tuesdays. And you get the fucking the tribal chief, the Rocket, Jared Carabas. You get him.
2: Acknowledge me.
3: You get him on fucking Wednesdays from 6 to 7 on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Tony Maz. Hey,
5: give, give, give Julian McWilliams some love, too. He's on there.
3: Uh, what, what night?
5: I don't know. I I'm never on the same night. I kind of, they just, it's whenever they need me. Oh,
3: okay. I didn't know that. I thought that you had a set night. Anyways, I didn't know that Julian was doing it. That's cool. Uh, yeah. Tony was talking about, I was listening in the car today. Well, uh baseball hour and Tony was uh, speculating about some, some job securities. Do you think that that's going to be a thing coming up soon?
4: Not yet. Probably. I would guess, uh, trade
5: deadline around then, depending on where they are and how they go. I think they start having those discussions i've you know I said this to the other hundred shocking we hated it. time Bloom is in year four we'll give 2020 a, we'll call it a wash he's in year three if you tell a guy to come in and do a long term process and really see it through and be here for the long term of the organization you got to give them longer than this. That being said, I don't know if they will. So uh, I think those questions are going to start started in spring training. You know, Johnny Miller's Johnny, he's got a good pulse on things. And he asked about job security day one of spring training. So <laughs> it's been a thing already a little bit. And uh, I, I would guess that it, you know, kind of continues. Interesting.
2: Uh, and I'd like, I'd add, I think we've gotten two of those smaller, not significant, but John Heyman has dropped two names in, you know, last month, basically. Brian Sabian and David Stearns, he he dropped both of those names as, you know, names that ownership may look at if they want to go closer to the older school model, but still with some of, you know, the emphasis on pitching like Sabian had with the Giants and in prospect development. Do they go that route or do they say, hey, we picked the wrong nerd. Let's go with one of the king of the nerds here in David Stearns and hope for the best. But I think the Mets are going to be making that call when Billy Epler gets the boot.
4: christopher
3: all right we'll talk to you later are you fucking <laughs> kidding me he hung up after are you fucking kidding me i mean he probably uh are you that's kidding not, me that sounded like a
2: loose service type situation no no that was a pat light fucking situation right there you think so you think he hung up on purpose that was tyler milliken cooking and he said i'm fucking good throw it in the trash goodbye wow nope he's calling back so you were wrong okay
3: Ooh. um cut that jake uh, so Tyler needs to apologize to you because he thought that you hung up on purpose, and I actually defended you and I said there's no way he did that.
4: No, I
5: called
2: them in a hotel.
5: I, I, did you? Hear
2: what I... No, your
3: fucking service sucks. Can he, get off he, your you, fucking Wi-Fi or something.
2: Says you with your internet? Are you fucking kidding me? I got great internet. According to who? Oh my god!
3: All right, well I'm not. Call, I'm not answering if he calls back. Catillo, dead. He's he's cut off answer it. FaceTime audio? Let me see if I even know how to... I don't even know if I can connect this, Cateo. Let me... I don't know. I don't know how to fucking answer this on the show. Just text text your responses. I don't know. he, He FaceTime audioed me. I don't know how to fucking pull that up on this thing. Um... Anyways. Uh the one person that we haven't heard from in all this is Jake. Jake, where are you at on this Red Sox team right now?
0: Yeah, it's a it's a tough spot to be in. Um it does feel like just these last few years in general it's kind of unraveling more than we thought it was going to, like we talked about I think a couple episodes ago like this team might get hot for a few games, they might lose a few games in a row, but like they're going to even out. I think like this series, you started to see like that unraveling a little bit. And yeah, it's just a tough spot to be right now. It's a real tough spot.
2: Well, right. Like we have those conversations of, oh, you know, hot and down. There hasn't been a hot streak in weeks. <laughs> we're, we're, you know, we're a couple of weeks deep. Arizona, what, towards like May 25th, May 26th, right in that area? It's June 8th. You can't survive in the American League playing bad baseball for a month straight or a couple weeks straight, especially this team can. Mm. And a lot of those things that were making you so good early on aren't there anymore.
4: Hmm.
3: What is this Gammon's tweet?
2: Is that the... Did it just drop? Are you talking about the one about... uh, This one from
3: 830.
2: Yeah, so I I was going to actually mention that when we were talking to Steve about not sending anyone alongside Cora. This is from Gammons.
3: Off Sean McAdams' piece on Matt Dermody. Dermody's history. WBZ's Channel 4 in Boston led its 5 a.m. news with the story, which was never dealt with in March. No front office official went to Cleveland, so Alex Cora was left out to dry and deal with it at 5.03 a.m. Anyone watching knew what was coming.
2: Hmm. It did bother me that This was known in spring training. Like I saw it on Twitter. I remember like the day it happened. I was like, oh, this is going to get picked up. This is going to be a story that, you know, we'll be talking about right in in a week or a couple days as it starts to get out there. But it kind of just went underneath because he was a minor league signing. Bloom said he talked to him. It's just like. When you asked the question earlier, did they have anyone else they could start? Yeah. Rio Gomez, that is like a nice story and everything, but he just got to AAA. like he just got to triple A. So like I can understand that, but the reality lost by twenty runs tonight. Who fucking cares? That's it. guy to take the ball. If you were willing to punt and listen, you put him on the forty man for the day. So pick whatever reliever you didn't give a fuck about in Triple A and just bring him up and say, "Go do that." We're gonna let Kluber eat shit here in you know his old home, and then we'll go from there. We'll we'll figure it out. Because guess what? Garrett Whitlock could have started today. I don't know if people paid attention to that. He could have started today. They chose to push him back an extra day. So like. If you were going to punt on this game as a whole, why go the route of all this drama? Like, wh- why was this worth it? And what Katillo just said about that going over well, that sounded like that was clubhouse. That-, that didn't sound like it was fans in general. So are people in that clubhouse who already, you know, some characters that may have had a problem with Bloom the last year or two? Is this another little thing in their pocket? Mm. Maybe for a guy in Alice if that relationship where he's mentioning the roster now. Is that more of a divide between him and Haim? That must have been so awkward
3: for that fucking Dermondy dude. Oh, my! what do you like? I don't feel any sympathy for him, but Jesus. No, I don't either. No, I don't either. But like walking into the clubhouse, knowing everyone is talking about this, like you're pitching in the big leagues and it's like, that's all anyone is talking about is how much of a piece of shit you are.
2: When you yeah. offend every damn group, it's like mm-hmm. anybody you're, you're not going to find help anywhere for you to be cool. Everyone will be like, damn, you offended me in some kind of way.
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Fuck them.
4: <sighs> Jose you know Ramirez many... is an ally, though. Shout out to him. Yeah,
3: thank you. Thank you, Jose Ramirez. Uh, do you know how many teams in Major League Baseball have a worse record than the Red Sox since their eight game winning streak? I'll go
2: three. There you go. That well, sounds about right. Oakland. The Cubs and the A's. Yeah. And the Cubs have been going through injuries themselves. It was in Cody Bellinger and everything. Yeah. Since yeah. the eight game winning streak, the Boston Red
3: Sox are 10 and 18.
2: Like, how much better? Where is it going to get significantly better? That'd be the question I ask.
3: I mean, let's just say the Red Sox get Duval back this weekend and maybe they sweep the Yankees. Does that do anything for you? Now you're what? Uh, a game over 500 and you're coming off a sweep in the Bronx.
2: Yeah, that would do a ton. But I, I'm kind of looking at the Red Sox right now. and I'm just saying, like, can they string three games? I'd like to see them string two games in a row. That looks <laughs> yeah. well, you know, in a game. Know, that's it. Give me nine innings of complete ball. Like even, you know, the first game of the series, James Paxton pitches amazing. We were all sweating bullets going to that eighth inning. It felt like every other game. We've been watching the same fucking game for like three weeks in a row at this point where it's like, yeah, the pitcher doesn't absolutely shit his pants. Most of the time he keeps you in it. The offense has so many chances early, doesn't capitalize. And then the bullpen leaks a bit at the end when you were hoping to keep it a little tighter. It's the same fucking thing over and over and over again. It's infuriating to watch. But. Yeah, I just. Can you, you know, the Yankees have arguably the best bullpen in all of baseball. Like, I don't feel good about a Red Sox offense that hasn't been putting it together and obviously their rotation's struggling. You're going up against Garrett Cole tomorrow. Like, I don't care that he struggled in May. It's fucking Garrett Cole. They're not hitting anybody right now, the Red Sox. Don't feel good about the Yankees can probably smell blood in the water. It's like if you. Uh, I it, don't know. They just lost a series to the fucking White Sox. They know. White if, Sox three games a, out of first place in the American League Central right now. That division sucks <laughs> fucking balls. Red Sox would be tied for first. Uh, yeah, they would be tied for first.
3: That division sucks. But I think the players on that New York team have to know when judge is not here, we're not that good. And I'm not going to I can't. I can't I can't I can't judge the Yankees. No pun intended. Um when the Red Sox are in the situation that they're in, like I'm not saying, oh man, like, you know, no judge this weekend, like time to fucking get back on the horse. Like the Red Sox could easily fucking lose two out of three, get sweat, I don't know. Like nothing would surprise me, but the Yankees are not a very good team when they don't have Aaron Judge in the lineup. Like he is the most impactful player on any team. Like you take Aaron Judge off the Yankees and that does more damage than taking one singular player off any other team. And you might be sitting there being like, "Well, what about Shohei Otani? They still have fucking Mike Trout." You take Judge off. Who the f- who's the next best player on that fucking team?
2: Like no, Anthony Rizzo. You're right. Like that—that that is what it comes down to. And like we mentioned, that starting pitching and it just hasn't been impressive overall. Luis Severino continue to get his head beat in. Um, it, but I think if the Yankees were they sit there like we've dealt with as many injuries as anybody, and you know they just got Stanton and Donaldson back, of course. But that team has been battling different things all year, and they're looking down at the Red Sox and they're like. Damn, yeah, you've had a couple injuries. You've had some things not break your way either, but we're still sitting above you, and you look like you're on the verge of falling apart here. I think the Yankees, no one sees them falling apart and completely being a disaster. If the Yankees show up this series and take care of you, it's going to be four straight series losses. You're going to be another game under 500, and then you're going to be seeing them again a week from now. Like And say what you want about Cleveland. They hadn't hit it all. Coming into the series, especially no, that was the
3: worst part. That's what I, I I was texting someone after the game about that. Um, like, hey, did you see Kluber? Didn't look great. Right. Uh, Again, his dick kicked. Fucking down. three and a third, eleven hits, six earned runs. Eight of those hits were consecutive, consecutive, and I I came around on Kluber. Not saying like I root for him or I'm like pumped that he's on the team. I came around on him on the sense that I feel bad for him. I'm not angry anymore. I'm not like, get this guy the fuck off the team. Like This guy sucks. Like I'm not, that's not how I feel. I'm genuinely just when I watch him pitch now, I'm like, man, that's sad. And that's, that's way worse. Because if you're angry, then internally you're thinking this guy can be better. Why are you not better? Now I'm just sad. Because I know that he can't be better. This just is what he is. And he's washed, washed three all-stars, two Cy Young Awards. Like this guy has a trophy case. He's not some fucking slapdick. He's Corey Kluber, fucking two Cy Young Awards. And he's going out there with next to nothing and just eating bullets. You could see the look on his face out there.
2: It's embarrassing for him. He just
3: had a blank stare, emotionless, like, because he knows he knows. And half the replies when I tweeted about this, like, why doesn't he just retire? Would you fucking retire if you were guaranteed $10 million? No. Like, he's, he has given his body to baseball. Like, if you're out there throwing 88 slop, that's because you've thrown 50 fucking thousand pitches in your career, and you're out of bullets. So, yeah on the way out, when I got nothing left to give to this game, I'm taking every fucking penny that was given to me because that's how baseball works. Dallas made the point on baseball is dead the other day. When baseball, you don't get paid for what you're going to do. You get paid for what you've done. And he's done a lot. So that's how I feel about Kluber. Do I want him on my team anymore? No, but I don't think he wants to be, I don't think he wants to be playing baseball anymore. He like, that's embarrassing. Like, do you think he wants to go out like this? No, no, of course not. They're prideful athletes. They are especially a guy that has two Cy Young Awards. You were the elite of the elite for for a window of time. And now you're going out there getting fucking tattooed, probably in front of a lot of people that you know and care about in Cleveland, where you were that guy, where you did win those Cy Young Awards. Like that's where you just got your fucking teeth kicked in and you know it's over. And you did it out of the bullpen. Like it's already embarrassing enough that you've been a starter for your whole career. And now you got to go to the bullpen because you suck. They don't want to designate you for assignment out of respect. And then you can't even get the fucking job done out there. It's not because he doesn't have the mentality for it. It's not because he doesn't have the talent for it. He's just washed, washed. And it's, it's sad. It's sad for me to watch. Hello. The rant was great. You'll hear it on the
2: podcast later. Uh, it's <laughs> no, all recorded. But I heard most of what you said, obviously, but. I think you kind of put it right. I think if the Red Sox were healthier pitching wise, he would be gone. But their 40 man in terms of pitching health is in such a bad spot where they have one guy, one guy currently who's healthy and eligible to come up. And Brandon Walter, who's also got his dick kicked in at Triple A this year. But Kluber had an interview. He sat down with Christopher Smith that came out today. And they were like, well, when when do you think you'll hang it up? He's like, I think I'll know when the time is. Yeah, he'll know when the time is. It's when the Red Sox send him home. It's when yeah. they tell him, Hey, we're okay. But I think the best comp for Corey Kluber, it's the your friend's old dog that, you know, you remember how oh, great that dog about was. Dogs I'm again, not talking Jake. about killing dogs. This is
3: where you're going. But this it, is oh man, he can't stop I, thinking I, about it, killing it's dogs. It's just
2: such a good comp. It really is. You have a problem. Have I a problem. don't. You have a problem. But it, it, it's your friend's <laughs> old dog that like can't walk anymore, that like so clearly it, right? clearly you isn't doing well. <laughs> That's where this is going. So you know, like in the olden days, some people would take their dog to their backyard and they they would go about it. They'd end the the cycle. Uh, I would, you know, it's better to go get it euthanized or you know whatever you have to do at this point. But that's what Corey Kluber needs. That's what you need to do with old man Corey Kluber. He needs to be put to rest. You need to choke it to death. (laughs) The dogs that you kill. Take take your arm, grip it around, and squeeze as tight as you can. You can shed a tear, you can cry a little bit, but it's time to go. It's time to say goodbye, hey, yo, what the
4: fuck?
2: Corey, Corey. You just had a new son or child. I don't know what the gender of the child is. Please go. It's time now. I think it'll be a couple of weeks. The Red Sox need to get a little bit healthier in the bullpen. It's sad that you're leaning on him. That's where your depth is at right now. But that's what it is. You know, if Chris sales healthy, you know, that's probably a very real conversation at this point when John Schreiber comes back. But they're clinging on for damn life. Justin Garza is getting legit innings in this bullpen. He's been fine, but like, come on. It's Justin Garza. Yeah, spare me on that.
3: Um, we got we got bigger problems right now than the Red Sox.
2: Jake. this guy fantasize. I, I don't fantasize about killing dogs. I love dogs. <laughs> yeah. Look me in the eye. Do I look like I kill dogs? Yeah, Jake. Do I look like I've killed a fucking dog?
0: A bunch of them.
2: <laughs> a bunch a of them.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's becoming more and more clear as as the the show goes on during the season. Listen,
2: send the police to my fucking backyard right now and tell me what you find. There's one dog back there in its bullet. Bullet was buried in my backyard. That's the one dog you'll find out there. Mm -hmm. And I did not dig the hole. My neighbor did.
4: (laughs) What's so funny?
2: (laughs) Will
3: you come to the grave, Jared? Yeah, of course. I'd love to pay my respects to bullet.
2: Jake. I'll be there. Okay, we, maybe we can do a pod there. A little outdoor yeah, pod.
3: Great. Yeah, let's see. it. Is there like a tombstone marking the, the gravesite of
2: Bullet? I, I took the, There's a rock out there that we put in front of it. I and like. Kill Bullet. <laughs> I did not kill Bullet <laughs> with a rock.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: He got killed with a car. Mm-hmm. There's nothing written on the stone, but the stones, a, it's a memorial piece. You're supposed to envision something like the stone is Bullet. Mm-hmm. I used to draw on it with chalk, but you know what happens with the rain. Mm-hmm. What is this?
0: <clears throat> Stood the boat, you don't know that song? No sweating in the sun.
2: You don't know any songs.: I do. I, like I know modern songs. You only know old people's songs.' Like it's not a old people. What year did this come out?
3: The height of summer.
0: I'd never what year felt did this that
4: come strong. Out? Yeah.
0: Like a rock.
4: Hmm.
2: Like a bullet.
3: You know, I was Song came out uh didn't have a care 1986 Hell of a year.
2: Not a yeah. damn to spare.
3: Song came out when the Red
2: Sox were in the World needed. Series.
1: Horrendi- Another reason why
2: this song sucks. Like
1: mm-hmm.
3: song. My hands were we uh, you know what? You, we, need to, we need to have a conversation about your musical taste.
4: <laughs> what? I, I I didn't
2: hear anything you said you cut out.
3: I said we need to have a conversation about your musical taste That's all.
2: I have great musical taste I listen to a lot yeah. of projects that people are interested in.
3: A lot of projects. A lot of projects. It's fucking midnight. How is it midnight?
2: Well, we got to watch the Red Sox bullpen extend that game as they attempted to get 27 outs.
3: The game, the game ended at like 10 o'clock. How how is it midnight right now?
2: We had Buck. What are we an hour 20 in? Yeah, I think we're going to get it under two tonight. Let's see. Let's see. Let's try. Let's try.
3: We're going we're gonna to go for it. A lot of people are like, no, we want the therapy. Like, what about our therapy? I want to go. I want to fucking detach from this team. Um, did you hear, Tyler, that there's a new streaming service? No. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's called Max. It's called Max. It's got everything on HBO Max, including HBO, the DC Universe, Adult Swim, together with TLC, Discovery, Food Network, and more. Max has some of the best content out there. Literally, it has something for everyone in your house. Max, the one to watch. Subscription required. Visit max.com to sign up and uh, curb your enthusiasm. You, t- please tell me you've seen Curb Your Enthusiasm, Tyler.
2: No, I haven't, but I know it's the the bald guy with the weird hair down the back. Of his what? Neck. Larry, your- Larry David. Okay. You just Pete Davidson him. fucked his daughter. Did he?
4: That's what, I, that's what the streets told me.
3: What if he made love to her? Why do you have to say it like that? Same thing. Laid pipe. No, only Tyler Milliken lays pipe.
2: The finest pipe. (laughs) The finest
3: pipe. (laughs) Going to a five-star restaurant, I'll have your finest pipe. And out comes Tyler Milliken.
2: Works pretty well. What did you think of my haiku?
3: It was a good start. I know Jake hated the butterflies. Jake, what did you think about the haiku?
0: I mean, the haiku in general was a good haiku, but the butterflies I wasn't a big fan of. You don't yeah. understand poetry. Neither. Well, what was,
3: what was the deal? What was the deal with the uh, with the butterflies? What was the symbology?
2: Uh, it, it just kind of fits the aesthetic. Like, you know, when you're talking poetry, it, it floats into a lot of different worlds, like the astrology world and. You know, Martha, she's very popular into that. I always see her tweeting butterflies. What
3: the fuck does butterflies have to do with astrology?
2: It, it's dude? all in the same. It's all the same aesthetic. No, it's like, you no, know, free, no, like spread no. my wings. Like I'm going to I'm turning from the ugly little caterpillar into this big, beautiful butterfly. Like that's what the haiku that has like that has to do
3: with astrology.
2: It, it's all it's all mixed in. It's like tapestry. And it's <laughs> like, uh, what what are other things like candles and, um, you know, tapestry. things that smell good.
3: Hmm. I mean, I told you, you don't want to believe me, but your haiku got over a thousand likes. So you're welcome. Say thank I'm you. an artist. Say thank you. Thank me for my art. Say thank you for distributing your art. Thank you for
2: being my, uh, my record label.
4: Acknowledge me. Thank
2: you. you. Ne- you're needing to be acknowledged a lot today. Have you been okay? No, you getting enough tension at home? No, dude. I'm, I'm having a fucking rough go. God, that's not
3: good. We have a long way to go, Jared. I mean, it's I, I was doing the math today. I was on the phone. And I was like, I almost like can't wait for the season to be
2: over. And then I don't did the math. say that. We can't I did the say math. that.
3: I did the math. Five, five. I got five fucking months to go.
2: <laughs> that Yeah. You, your season does go even longer um, than most. You know, who can tune it, out to it, the Red Sox?
3: It, it felt like I was climbing the ladder. And I was like, man, I'm almost at the top. And then I look down and like the ground is like right there. Like if I fell, I would like maybe twist an ankle.
2: What's scary is a year ago at this time, we were running the highest of highs. The Red Sox were yeah, playing June good. Things were going great. Like we were hyped. Yeah. That's what makes it even scarier. Like could this team as good as we felt the first month and a half go off the rails that quickly? I don't I don't want to think that way. I, I, I think we can. You know, they're in danger. You're you're getting close to that ledge, right? You're getting close. Mm-hmm. Um, But I will say what I saw and, you know, we touched on it a little bit with uh, Steve, but today was the most hate I've ever seen Alex Cora get on Twitter ever. Because of uh, the benching of Verdugo. Yeah, I, I felt like for the first time I saw people really start to, you know, there's that weird little minority group that's always like, I can't stand Cora. He's not good at, you know, really anything. You know, he creates problems. He's not the leader you want in there. I don't think that's the way a majority of us feel. But that Verdugo situation seemed to push a lot of people and be like, what the hell is going on? And I think you compound it with what happened the night before. Where like, I don't know why the hell you're starting Emmanuel Valdez. What are we doing? He's going down tomorrow. That guy is not going to be on your team tomorrow.
3: Cora I, said two moves coming.
2: Yeah. It, so I, the expectation, at least on my end, I think you option Valdez down. Obviously, they already opened a 40-man spot. Probably move Richard Blyer to the 60 day I l he had a setback, uh started throwing, wasn't working still fe- feeling soreness. then you can bring up whatever pitcher you want from AAA and kind of go from there. Mm. because like we said, you know, Ryan Sheriff can't come back up unless there's an injury. Chris Murphy, who was excellent in his mm-hmm. little debut, you know, one of the few positives in the series, he can't yeah. come up either. So is it like an AJ pleetti maybe. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to be a Theo Denlinger or anything like that. Joe Jakes, Ooh, maybe.
3: the fuck are these people?
2: Yeah, it's not going to be like Chase Sugar got hurt, so it's not going to be him either. Caleb Ort also can't come up. So. Oh, no. Oh, we're going to cry. But oh, I don't know. I felt like the first time I saw some cracks with how people perceive Core and viewed him. And for me personally, I, I don't think Verdugo was dogging it. Like, what bothers me here a little bit is if you're asking me players that have hustled this year, it's him like that's a guy in Alex Verdugo who does not dog it off. And he's been playing amazing defense in right field, going all out constantly. He's run the bases better. And chorus said this himself before the game. It's like he's stepped up. He's done what I asked him to do. He's been very solid offensively. He's cooled off a little, but he's still been very good. He's your leadoff guy. He has made the adjustments. The Red Sox asked him and for him to kind of become the like the poster child for whatever message you're sending. It felt a little unfair. It felt like like that's the guy you're putting it on. You're not putting it on guys who aren't backing up people. You're not putting it on, you know, Kike Hernandez, who at times this year also not running it out, who, you know, making all those countless errors, just not putting it together out there. Well, why are you like Devers? Devers? He did it again tonight where he just stopped running. On a ball, like he, and I'm not hating on it. It's 162. Don't kill yourself, Devers. You're someone whose body's broken down in the second half before. Why are you making an example out of Alex Verdugo on a play he probably still is out on? Like on a series finale where you badly needed this game? Like you're making the statement on the broadcast call it must win? Yeah. And like, I don't. Who said that? Will or OB? Will. Because you're talking about losing three series in a row. Look at where we're at right now. Like this team is, they're at the ledge. They're teetering very heavily right now. This felt like, wait, you pulled them out of last night's game. Cool, right? Like you felt like you needed to make your point, whatever. To keep him out again today? For the guy that's arguably been the best player on the team? Like I understand sending a message. It's just, you, you, ha- you just had a team meeting. Another message needs to be sent already?
3: That's scary. The vibes are so bad. The vibes are so bad. Like between the Verdugo thing and the fucking derpy Doo start, it's just fucking, it's not good. I, I And again, I, I like, I think when something like that happens, my first instinct is we don't know all the facts because if you look at the play, I think we're all in agreement that that's not necessarily a, he wasn't you need talking to Sit it. your ass down. Yeah. You need to sit your ass down because of that play. Um, it, it, if I were to guess something else is or was going on, and I don't know what that something is. I, I know that uh, we've seen this motivating tactic before with Alex, specifically with, with Verdugo. Uh, we've seen it with Eddie. Like it's tough love with certain guys. Like I, I feel like there's there are certain guys that you coddle. There's certain guys that you get a boot in the ass if you want to get the result. Um but I, I just don't given the circumstances, series finale, uh you need this to to stay above five hundred or not have a losing record. Um you've lost X amount of series in a row now. Um it it just felt to me like it was not the right Button to push at that time. If Maybe the, if if you know you go to the Bronx and like there's an issue, whatever. Like you want to push that button there. I don't know. But the timing of it didn't feel right. And if that it
2: just leads me to believe that there has to be more to the story. And that's what could change this equation. I know Christopher Dugo put out a tweet where he kind of said the same thing. He's like, You know, Verdugo, like, obviously, is his brother. So you know what side he's going to take. But he's like, he's busted his ass all year. Like, that's a guy who doesn't take days off. It feels more about the other guys than it does him. And I think where you could ask Alex Cord, it's like, well, with Kike Hernandez, are you going to say, well, the throwing errors are just a guy who's being forced to play a position he obviously can't handle? And that they'd have Yu Chang playing if he was healthy, who will be back hopefully on Monday, they said. Is it a guy in like where you can't bench a Jaron Duran in his eyes because he's young? He needs to be coddled, right? Emmanuel Valdez, another young player, kind of needs to be coddled. Is, is Verdugo just the guy he looked at and said, all right, I know I can put him in the doghouse to hopefully spark these guys or get them to play the way they need to play. It's just it felt counterproductive. And I look at Verdugo and it's like, why did it have to come out to the media? Was that necessary? Because like, wasn't there a lot of hate for Ali Marmal in St. Louis with how he handled the Tyler O'Neill situation? Mm-hmm. Earlier in this year, how different is that than what we saw right now? yeah, you know, and i uh, i I think Ollie was a little more condescending like post game than Cora was this uh, earlier today, but you're putting the guy's name out there, like you you're kind of calling him out in front of the media. The guy responded when you called him out, and he's been one of the reasons where you are you know the team is where it is uh Chris Catillo just tweeted
3: this three minutes ago, oh no. Not terrible, but okay. it's just it adds a layer. Uh, a banner day for the Red Sox ends with Kluber, big rotation addition, and Verdugo, maybe their lone all-star representative, declining to speak with reporters post game in Cleveland. He's a big, like, gotta talk to the media guy. And I get it. Like, you know, if there's they gotta do their jobs, but he he really takes it to heart when when people don't talk to the media. Uh But that just kind of like goes back to my point about being fucking sad for Kluber. Like you got your teeth kicked in. You know that you're washed. You know that you're done. Uh, You're probably going to play out that you're going to you're going to make the Red Sox make a move like the dude's not going to retire. He's not going to be like, yeah, I I forfeit the five million dollars remaining that they have to pay me out. He's not going to do that. They're going to he's going to make the Red Sox designate him for assignment, which at this point, why not? Uh, It's just a
2: matter of time once they have the arms to do it.
3: Yeah, once they once the pieces are in place to you don't want to replace him with someone that's equal to or worse than he is, uh which is a very low bar. Um but then Verdugo not speaking to the media, um I'm sure he'll address it at some point. Uh, like I think it's just tough after a loss like that. Like they got their fucking doors blown off. They lost the series, they lost a decidedly in in the series finale. And I'm sure that it's theme of the theme of the day. I'm sure it's embarrassing to be told to take a seat for something that you may not agree with. Like you can't be the guy that pushes back against the manager either. Like then now we got an even bigger problem. If Alex Verdugo talks to the media and he's frustrated and he says something that he doesn't mean or something that he shouldn't say, it's like he's got microphones and cameras in front of his face. What if he sits there and he says. Yeah, I didn't agree with it. I, I thought it was bullshit. Now we got an even bigger problem besides losing these games, losing the series and the fucking uh, piece of shit that they had on the mound and all this stuff. And like it just spirals out of control. So I, for me, I understand Chris's stance on it and his position. If you need a day to cool off before you talk about it, I think it'd be weird if he never addressed it. But if you need a day to, to clear your head and get away from it, you, you, you're flying to a new city. You're going to the Bronx now. Um, Sure, take a day, but you're going to have to speak on it, but we'll see.
2: And that's the thing. He's going to have to speak on it, which means this news story is going to continue onto another day. And this is, you know, going into New York when the last thing this team needs is more fucking drama, more things surrounding them right now. You know, you talk about putting fires out. Well, now a fire has been started and now we got to see, can you put the fire out? Can you get Verdugo back on track? Because while Verdugo has responded well at times being pushed. You don't know what he's going to respond this time with, but if he takes it weirdly, whether if he starts to look at it and he's like, man, what else can I fucking do? He's like, I lost the weight. I've, I've showed up. I'm playing, you know, I'm, I'm the all-star candidate for this ball club and I'm still getting dogged while, you know, Raphael Devers is over here taking his time to first base. He ain't fucking producing. He ain't doing it for us. Like, like, wh- look at who has the clutch hits this season for this ball club. You take Alex, Alex R- yeah, you take Alex Verdugo off this club. You have a couple less wins right off the top of your head. Like, yeah, that has to be an infuriating feeling in some ways. Like, I just this felt like something that didn't need to be created to be something like this. This team does not need drama coming off team meetings. The guy who called the first team meeting of the year got benched. That's a wild thing that someone
4: who called a team meeting got benched.
3: Yeah. I have a it's almost like a a, it's like a fan fiction at this point. Like
2: OB must have beef with Tristan Casas. Oh, it fucking sickens me. You want to tell me something that pisses me the fuck off? Why the (laughs) fuck are you mentioning his two strikeouts when he just went deep? Let the guy (laughs) he's been hitting for since May 1st. Now the OPS is over 800 since then.
3: Yeah. What are you this pitching is, about? So I, I was saying this earlier about, um, so I turned the TV on in the living room and then I was walking down the hall to the bathroom and I hear uh, Costas makes contact, puts the ball in the air and listening to the call. I was like, oh, this is a pop up. And it wasn't until I got to the end of the hall where he's like, oh, that's a home run. And I was I Turn around! I was like, "What the fuck?" And I like sprinted down the hallway to see. I I missed the home run because, like, listen,
4: (laughs) high
2: fly, very high to right, well hit. Brennan's back; he's at the wall. He leaps up, and that ball's gone. Dude has money on the Guardians. Like, he's legit upset.
3: No, 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 no. I think, but it is there is something with Casas. Like, he he like will fucking get into his strikeouts and whatever. Like the the batting average. But like, I like, can you blame me? Like if you, if you close your eyes for the first few seconds of this, you definitely don't think that this is a home run. No.
2: High fly very high to right. Well hit. Brennan's back. He's at the wall. He leaps up and that ball's gone. <laughs> like you just, you don't
3: think that that's a home run. Do, do you know. have the I...
2: Jose Ramirez homers where he legit was ready to, you know, do a party, throw a dance, whatever. I said that backwards but like he was so hyped up for all the guardians homers. That was electric.
3: You think so? Extremely. He, he 13 straight. That's the Cleveland call.
2: Uh, Dave O'Brien gets more excited for opposing home runs than he does. Red Sox. There's a
3: high fly ball left center field. That's way back there, way back there and gone. That's, that's very similar to the, which Homer was that? that? That's the second Jose Ramirez. Um, And then this one, and a high fly ball. This one to right field. Rev Snyder turns. He's done it again. He has done it for the third time in three at bats. <laughs> but I mean, yes, that one is definitely more excited than the
2: Casas one. But it's a three home it's run. It's a game. three homer. I, I think yeah. it just seems like everyone. I, I think Middlebrooks is the one anti, you know, Tristan Casas hater. But Jim Rice. Also, I don't know if you caught that on Nessun post game. He was like, because Cassis also talked after the game. He's like, yeah, you know, I've been talking to the coaches. They've been telling me like all my batted ball data is good, like all the advanced metrics. And Jim Rice was basically like, who gives a fuck? What about the results? <laughs> and it's like, God damn, man. And Tom Karen's like, well, it's a little different in today's game. He's like, you know, that's like back in the day where they tell you you're close. Like you're right there. And Jim Rice was like, eh, like you, I think, was in the booth the other day when they were like going in on Casas and the expected stats and all that different stuff. And it's like, dude, just look at the stats since May 1st. Like he, He's doing his job. Is he an elite of the elite? Is he Matt Olson? No, not yet. It's also his first big league season. He's recovered from April.
3: <sighs> Man, is there anything good? You got anything good?
2: Yeah, Chris Murphy. I, I did not the expect R. him. Anything else? And We didn't talk about how good he looked. Who
3: cares? it's he's already gone he's not even on the team anymore. he's gone immediately uh, anything good for like people that are here um I'm happy for Chris Murphy I I, uh,
2: I got one what Jaron Duran has looked a little better shooting the ball into left field couple hits tonight which was nice yeah, he to started see. doing that at Fenway yeah, exactly yeah. so it, now we're having a little bit of a a little streak here where he's hitting my worry would be well Adam Duvall's back tomorrow so like Is he now going to see how they're going to figure out the playing time here? They did say they're going to be easy on Duvall. All right. You know, what does that mean in terms of playing time? Kenley Jansen in the first game, getting the job done throwing 97. 97. Yeah, he grabbed his knee, but like they called that like old manness. So
3: (laughs) he's just out there being old. Don't worry about it.
2: Uh, Yoshida. Thank God for Masataki Yoshida. He's the goat. I don't got much for you outside of that. All right fucking
3: stop and chop. Look ahead. Brought to Jared you by stop and chop. Head on down to stop and shop. Use the promo code section 10 to get 10 cents off each one of your tangerines. When you buy at least 10 pounds of five pounds of tangerines, not 10. That's a lot of tangerines, five pounds of tangerines, uh, only at stop and shop using the promo code section 10. Oh, that was something that I wanted to address. They deleted uh, the entire archive of section 10 today.
2: Saw that on the, uh, subreddit. hmm. Do you have the files? uh Steve might
3: I don't know um I'm hoping that it's kind of like YouTube where you can just like pull them down but they're still there type deal cuz that yeah that was uh that was a big kick in the dick that they did that uh I don't know why they did that um they had just been chilling there for like 2 years and I know that like a lot of like OG Section 10 fans would go back and listen to like the classic episodes like they would relive the 2018 season through like the section 10 episodes and like Trash Island people would just like listen to the fucking Trash Island episode all the time. Uh the Ice Horse episode, like the first sun's out guns out, the only sun's out <laughs> guns out. Um yeah, I don't know why they did that, but yeah, that didn't make me feel good. I actually, I found that out as we were recording Baseball is Dead and I was like trying to like continue doing that podcast while wanting to be very upset that that happened
2: that's called now Pro. you haven't talked to steve yet about it right no i did yeah oh. but i didn't ask if he has him interesting okay yeah yeah no i talked to steve i didn't realize how many people do go back and listen to as many of those like i, I do that with some podcasts but i felt like that was a weird thing i did but it yeah. seems like some people legit will binge it like a tv show
3: yeah i mean like 2018 and like the specific episodes. Like I think some of them, thank God they still live on YouTube. Hopefully they don't fucking pull those too But uh I think some of them are on YouTube. Like the later ones. Like we didn't get the section 10 YouTube until like much, much later. So like the 2018 is not on YouTube anywhere. But um some of the very funny pat light episodes are on YouTube. Like the the four hour episode where we just had people call in and like crush them the entire time. Like that was a very fucking funny episode. <laughs> like that's on YouTube. Um but yeah, people, people would go back and listen to Sons Out, Guns Out and um, Trash Island all the time. But I don't know. I'll try and, figure, I'll, I'll try and get some more information on that because that does suck. All right, we got to take a break and talk about Zinn nicotine pouches. We're always talking about what a team needs to get to number one, but Zinn nicotine pouches are already there. Zinn has helped millions of people achieve a lasting change, earning the title of America's number one nicotine pouch. If you're a smoker or you're a dipper looking to make a change, look no further than Zin. Zin is made with six simple ingredients and is available in a wide range of varieties, including spearmint, citrus, and even coffee. And it's available in two strengths, so you can control your nicotine satisfaction. Because it's discreet, you can enjoy it anywhere, anytime, so you never have to miss a moment of the game. Plus. Every can of Zin earns you points towards premium items like tailgating gear, top-of-the-line tech, Zin swag, even gift cards. Find your Zin at your local convenience store or online at Zin.com. That's Zin, Z-Y-N.com. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, three games set in the Bronx. No day games. Love that. I fucking hate day games, Uh, especially uh, only on weekends. I don't really like weekend
2: day games i'm Um, anti night games on sundays nothing pisses me off more
3: well you're about to have back to back sunday night baseball on espn garrett whitlock versus garrett cole that's a 705 start and then uh it's tanner Houck versus domingo herman on saturday that's a 735 start on fox and then on sunday it's sunday night baseball on espn that's a seven o'clock game brian bale versus clark schmidt Garrett Cole, my pal, Garrett Cole, 7-0, 282 ERA, a one whip, and a 9.5 strikeouts per nine. Um, this is his lowest strikeouts per nine since before he learned how to cheat in Houston. Did you know that? How dare you? Well, it's true. I'm not denying um, it. In, in May, he made six starts, had a 518 ERA, a 152 whip, and an 812 opponent OPS. Uh, two ninety four BABIP. He allowed eight home runs in May after zero in April. Um, he hasn't even been unlucky based on the uh, batting average on balls in play. Something else that might be a little concerning: his velocity's down. His four seam is down a full mile an hour to ninety six point eight, which is still fucking hard. Uh, his whiff rates have also dropped. Four seam has gone from 29% to 23%. His slider has gone from 44% to 28%. And his curveball, 37% to 20%. That seems problematic, Tyler. Uh, Those numbers are drastic. Uh, Garrett Cole has allowed two home runs in four separate games this year. At the start of May, Cole had a 209 FIP. It's now at 365. Uh, The Red Sox... Got to Cole quite a bit last year. Five starts, a 559 ERA, a 104 whip, 12.4 strikeouts per nine, uh, nine home runs in 29 innings against the Red Sox. The Red Sox scored at least two runs in every game off of him, including four plus uh, three times. They had at least one home run in every start and multiple home runs in three of them. Uh, the Yankees somehow went 5-0 and 0 in those games. I don't know how. Uh, the Yankees are 11 and two when he starts this year, thanks to 5.43 runs of support. Red Sox hitters, 222 with a 792 OPS against them. Eight doubles, 14 home runs. And this includes the playoffs. Shout out to the wildcard game. Devers, eight for 32 with six bombs. That's 1197 OPS. He does have 14 strikeouts though. Uh, Verdugo, eight for 29. Three doubles, two homers, 862 OPS. Kike, eight for 19, three doubles, a homer. That's a 1259 OPS. How do you want me to do this? Do you want me to do like Yankee pitcher, Red Sox pitcher, or do like the Yankee starters and the Red Sox starters? What makes more sense?
2: I, I, the more I think about it, I kind of do like matchup to matchup. Okay.
3: So Garrett Cole versus Garrett Whitlock. Garrett Whitlock. What cock? Two and two. 561 ERA, a 129 whip, and a seven strikeouts per nine. Uh, Weird last game. ZRA jumped a half a point, but his FIP fell half a point. Uh, Really need the strikeouts to pick up. He has five in three of his five starts this year, but uh, cannot top that. 86th percentile in chase rate, but only 31st in whiff rate. Uh, His VLO
2: is down big time from last year. Did you pick up on this? Yeah, Whitlock. Yes. You got to think, though, at the same time, you know, there's some bullpen usage in there as well that kind of muddies the water. And his velo is down
3: 1.9 miles per hour from last year. That's not, that's fucking, that's big. Since he's come two. back,
2: I've been very happy with the velo compared to what we saw at the start of the season. Okay. All right. His velo is down two miles an hour.
3: That's fucking not good. Red Sox are three and two when he starts. Uh, he does shove against the Yankees, though. Yankee hitters, 114 batting average of 550 OPS against him. Um, eighteen strikeouts and forty-four plate appearances. The Yankees are five for forty-four. Four of those five hits are homers, though. Um.
4: Judge Judge has one of those homers.
3: The other is Stan Lemayhu and IKF. Um. So yeah. Second game, Tanner Houck versus Domingo Herman. Domingo Herman, the luckiest son of a bitch. Stats. Cheater. That have come across. Yeah. <clears throat> three and three, a 369 ERA, an 095 whip, and an 8.7 strikeouts per night. But here it is. A 199 batting average on balls in play, Tyler. Spare me on that bullshit. That is luck, sir. 199 batting average on balls in play. He's only 30th percentile in barrel percentage, but he's 70th percentile in hard hit rate.
4: Very odd. All of
3: his pitches are performing well above expectations. So this is the batting average to expected batting. One Curveball, 155 to 175. Four seam, 319 to 342. Changeup, 136 to 274. Sinker, 083 to 272. So you're going to want to sit on the four seam. 342 is the expected batting, but the actual batting still 319. Um... His usage, 26% usage, curveball, uh, first pitcher. That would be, uh, he's allowed only five hits in a game once this year. He's allowed nine home runs. Seven came in April, and then one in each of his last two starts. He does walk, guys. Take your walks, socks, Take your walks. Five walks, two, 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 three, three. Uh, only two starts against the Red Sox last year, 0 0 at 327 ERA and in 11 innings, uh, eight hits. The Yankees are 6 and 5 when he pitches this year, but they have one of uh, their last three straight. Red Sox hitters, 247 with a 779 OPS. Uh, Verdugo, 5 for 12, three doubles, a homer. Uh, Reese McGuire, 3 for 6 with a homer. Um, going up against Tanner Houck. Tanner Houck, three and five a four, a five forty six ERA, one thirty two WHIP, eight point nine strikeouts per nine. Uh, his FIP much better, much better, four oh seven, much better than the five forty six ERA. Uh, his walks in his last start were the killer, tied for a season high with four. It's frustrating because his uh, his previous start was his first all year without a walk, so we were hoping to build on that, and we did not. Last start, um, uh, there were some positives. Six whiffs, good for fifty percent rate on his sinker, and seven whiffs, good for forty-one percent on his slider. Uh, his fifteen whiffs last start were tied for third this year for him. Red Sox are five and six when he starts; they've lost five straight. Yankees hitters against Houck: one hundred and eighty-nine, five fourteen OPS. Only one extra base hit. Uh, DJ LeMayhew, 0 for 9. 0 for 9 against Tanner Houck. In the finale, Brian Bayo versus Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt, 2 and 6, a 496 ERA, a 146 whip, 9.6 strikeouts per nine. Uh season numbers are pretty bad, but since May 1st, 368 ERA, 356 FIP. Uh, Has only allowed more than three runs one time in that stretch and has three starts of uh, either zero or one runs allowed. Doesn't go super deep into games. uh, Has not topped 100 pitches and has only completed six innings twice. Very spinny pitches. He's got 98th and 94th percentiles for the four seam in the curve. Causes a lot of chase. He's uh, 76th percentile in chase rate. Uh, When people hit him though, it's hard, hard contact, Ninth percentile and average exit velocity. Uh, main pitch is a sweeper, but his cutter, you want to be looking for that. 24% usage. Um, that is a 92 mile an hour exit velocity, 309 batting average, a 636 slug. Never started against the Red Sox last year, but in four appearances, he had a 675 ERA in just six and two thirds innings, allowing three homers. Uh, the Yankees are 4 9 when he starts, and they've lost his last three straight. Red Sox hitters, 5 for 14, three bombs. Casas, Dahlbeck, McGuire have the home runs. So that means we need Bob Stop. Got to get Bob Stop back up here. Uh, Brian Bale, 3 and 4, a 397 ERA, a 143 whip, and a 9.1 strikeouts per nine. Uh, we're, we're really looking for Bayo's first. I'm here, start of the year. Seven of his nine starts, his last seven to be exact, have been between uh, 47 and 63 game score. Would love for him to go into Sunday Night Baseball in the Bronx and fucking dominate. We're kind of, we've been waiting for that.
2: If I recall, there was a really good start at Yankee Stadium in September last year, right? Uh, that, sounds, that
3: sounds correct.
2: Might have been the night um, we had the section or the uh, name
4: redacted uh, meetup. Yeah, maybe.
3: Um, as Bayo works out which of his fastballs he likes more, a trend appears to have started uh, in his last start 34 four seams to left handed hitters and seven to right handed hitters, 19 sinkers to righties and seven to lefties. He's never really thrown the sinker to lefties, but early in the year, he was throwing the four seam closer to 50-50 between the sides of the plate, and that appears to be over. So we're coming up with a plan. I like when we have a plan. In his last three games, he's 0-3, 17 innings, six earnies, three walks, 15 strikeouts, two home runs, a 318 ERA, and a 358 FIP. So that's just a lot of bad luck there. Uh, His slider has come a long way since April. In May, or excuse me, in in April, he used it 27% of the time, a 600 average and a 1,000 slug. In May, 20% usage, 278 average and a 500 slug. Uh, In June, just one start, obviously.
4: 18%
3: usage, no hits allowed. Mm. So pay attention to that slide piece. Red Sox are five and four when he pitches, but they have lost the last three. Yankees hitters three twenty four, with a seven eighty OPS. Uh, he has not given up a home run to the Yankees.
4: Okay, it's a lot of information. Prediction time. Again, that is Whitlock, Cole, Hauk, Herman,
3: Bayo Schmidt. I already like a win. In the finale,
2: I don't. I don't hate the Hulk um, Herman matchup Vermont. either.
3: Yeah, I think I like two out of three. I think they lose the first one, win the next two.
2: They can steal the first one though. You beat a Garrett Cole, you have a little momentum.
4: Get back yeah, to five hundred. I, I.
3: I yeah. I don't. I think the loss to Cole at Yankee Stadium is the game that wakes them up for real. I don't think that tonight did shit. I think that they're all kind of dejected. Yeah, I think that they're all dejected after tonight. I think they go into Yankee Stadium, and it's just... I mean, it's completely different playing in the Bronx than playing in Cleveland. Like, you go out there and you get your asses kicked in the Bronx. That's a different type of bad feeling going back to the hotel than getting on a flight after a 10 to whatever the fuck loss, 10 to 3 in Cleveland. I'm going Red Sox 2 out of 3. Losing the first, winning the next
4: two. What do you think, Tyler? I
2: think I'm going to go two out of three as well. Shocker. Um, I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't. I feel like Garrett Whitlock, like the Red Sox, very heavily emphasized him starting this game. So they really like this Whitlock matchup. Um, but I don't know. I, I'm not looking at the pitching, and I think it's going to be what really does it. At the end of the day, if the offense isn't going to show up and do it for this team, they're not going anywhere. The offense needs a series where they show up and rake. So I'm going to look at it and say, I think Masataka Yoshida goes off. I think we see Devers really open up the series. You got two guys that should absolutely kill it at this ballpark. I think Yoshida out of anyone is like you name players who are built to play at a stadium like that. It's Masataka Yoshida. So I think the bats finally wake up. The pitching gives you enough to get there. The bullpen got a really solid rest, your best weapons the last two days. So you should be able to be aggressive with them and go after it. I'll take two out of three, but this is a series. If you can't kind of kick yourself out of whatever funk you're in with against the Yankees without Aaron Judge, this thing is going to continue to go downhill because then you're going to be seeing them the following weekend and having to... You're just going to be playing catch-up more and more and more. You got Colorado coming up. You do what you have to do against New York right now. You go to Colorado, you take care of business. That's two series wins, and you're back on track. If not, this thing's going off the rails pretty quickly.
3: Jake, how do you feel about this series
4: this
2: weekend?
0: I got a sweep, but they're on really thin ice with me.
2: Hmm. Reverse sweep possible prediction?
0: If they don't put together a couple of sweeps here soon, then we might have to start reevaluating. Yeah.
2: Hmm.
3: I think, yeah, that would be. You want to talk about sending a fucking message? Never mind benching Alex Rodugo. What if Jake didn't pick a sweep?
2: Cora resigns the next day.
3: Yeah, like what do you what do you do? Like they walk into the clubhouse and they're like, "Jake didn't fucking pick a sweep." What? That would be message sent. It's a question about whether the message was delivered, but the message would be sent in that case. I hope it doesn't get there. I hope it doesn't get to that point. I really hope it doesn't get to that point. But
4: the the warning shot has been fired.
3: Like Jake has already considered not going sweet. So can I wake a- the fuck up Red Sox?
2: Can I ask one thing we didn't touch on? Yeah. Nestor Cortez and what he said. He's right. Wow. You agree. Yeah. I disagree. That's funny.
3: That's not shit. No, not shit. I,
2: I look at it. I don't want them saying the rivalries and shit until they accomplish something against the Red Sox overall. You can't say it when less than two years ago, you got kicked out of the playoffs by them. Don't yeah, t- but like that was two
3: n- years ago. Like it's it de- it's been like, one this season. Weekend- no. Yes. No, and it was also just one game. Like it was, it was.
2: Trust and me, you it was got your teeth nuts. kicked in. Huh? In that wild card game, you lost 2018. Until you have a moment against it was the one Reds. Night.
3: It was one night. Like, oh, it's the- sure,
2: and you had Garrett Cole nah. on the mound, the guy you gave all that money to.
3: Nah, it was it was nice. It was nice to do it. It was a nice night, and. Yeah, no. The rivalry is dormant right now. It's not like there's like spare me on
2: that. I'm He's, not Nester saying Cortez the rivalry's right. at the top or the heights will be the same of whatever it once it's was. It's at a zero. It's at a zero. But sitting there and like talking down to the Red Sox like, "Oh, you guys aren't on our level." Bro, when you do something, when you if you want to ring over this stretch or anything like that, then we'll have well, a conversation.
3: Is that what he said? They're not on
2: our level. That's basically what he said. They're, they're not like Tampa or Toronto to us right now.
3: Well, that's true. Those teams are way bigger threats to New York than we are.
2: All the last couple of years, we're talking last couple of years. The last, couple, right years, now, yeah, couple, last couple years, couple years ago in 2021, you got kicked out of the, by the team. Well, he's, you lost he's, the he's team only in the really playoffs. been
3: relevant like the last
2: couple of years. So once again, you are not the guy to be saying or sending shots like that. That's all I'm saying. When in 2021, yeah. that team right there got eliminated by the Boston Red Sox. It'd be one thing if, it, you know, nothing had happened since 2018. That's five years ago. We're talking a year
4: and a half ago. Yeah. I just.
3: I like, obviously, I have it circled on the schedule. It's the Yankees. It's the Bronx. Like, it's going to be. Um, and, and there's going to be got got your dick kicked Twitter. in
2: by the Red Sox, by the way, Mr. Cortez.
3: Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. But. The Red Sox are in last place. They're in last place last year. Like, I, I get it. Like he's saying what, what, who are the teams that stand in our way the most? Tampa, Toronto, Baltimore. Like we were not standing in their way.
2: If and you're bringing I get up the, the last couple of years, part of the last couple of years is you getting knocked out by this team.
3: Yeah. One night It was one night. Yep. It was a fun night. It was a great night
2: with a team uh, that had much more talent than the 2021 Red Sox. Yes. Fact. Yeah. But I don't know.
4: Like,
3: it's the rivalry right now. Uh, if you go by postseason, yeah, it's not much of a rivalry because the Red Sox have been fucking dildo in the Yankees for like two decades now.
2: Th- that's it. It's just like, don't you eventually look at there like, congrats? You know, you've been more consistent in the regular season. If you won something, I tip my cap. Even if you didn't beat the Red Sox, like, all right, you've won something. You guys have been disappointing for like 14 years in a row at this point. Correct. Yeah. Show up and win something. Th- then you can sit there and start to act like, and oh, the Red Sox are little brother. We don't pay attention to them.
3: They got to go through the Red Sox anyway, because like the Red Sox went through the Yankees in 2004. Uh, they went through the Yankees in 2018 and they eliminated them in 2021, even though they didn't win that World Series. But like, I mean, the Yankees didn't have to go through the Red Sox in 2009. And then before that, we're talking like they their last championship was fucking in the 2000s, like 2000. 2000- 2000, right?
2: Yeah. 98, 99, 2000. Th- th- that's it. Like, so show up, you know, take care of business in the regular season or whatever it was. But Yankee fans talk so much shit as the Red Sox struggled in the second half of 2021. They were arguably as annoying as I can ever remember them being on Twitter. Go take care of business. Then you can talk shit.
3: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I'll be. Trust me. I, I, I will be paying attention to Red Sox Yankees this weekend. More so than I would pay attention to Red Sox Guardians. Like of course, there is an extra element. It's a it's a special occasion. But do I expect bad blood this weekend? No. I, I, is it I gonna is it gonna make me feel something if Rafael Devers hits one in the fucking moon or Yoshida takes uh, Garrett Cole to the second deck in Yankee Stadium? Am I gonna feel something a little bit more than if if it was against fucking uh, I don't know. Whoever fucking BB on, on the Guardians, whatever the fuck that guy's name is. Uh, yeah, of
2: course. Absolutely. So, here, you want to hear the quote one last time? Yeah. It doesn't feel like what we have with Tampa now or with Toronto now. You could argue that the Red Sox haven't been who they really are the last couple of years. Th-
3: That's th- a compliment. He's saying like the Red Sox are better than this. That's what he's saying. Less than two
2: years ago, you got beat by this team. Two fucking years. What's a couple? Years. What's a couple?
4: Years. What's a couple?
3: Two.
2: All right. Give me two years. Two years. Within the last two years, you've been eliminated by this team. Spare me. Yeah, well, they're not going to
3: eliminate him this year.
2: He's talking that shit. You know why? Because he's on the I.L. Endeavors isn't going to take him fucking deep again.
3: And he turned his back on America, which which I still Mm. I don't I don't love that. Yeah. Well, God damn it. We went two hours again. Sorry. (laughs) It's fucking twelve forty five in the morning. Game ended three hours ago. it again, Tyler. I'm sorry. Hey, listen, I, I I'm here for the people. I want the people to be happy. People want people want a therapy pod. I don't know if this was it. I feel like we were we were. We were doing a lot of pouting.
2: We did positive therapy. I think having Steve on to start and kind of touching yeah. on everything, different tone. And then I think also, Buck.
3: Calm Buck. I, I don't, every I feel time weird. You say Steve, every time you say Steve, I think you're talking about Steve Peralt.
2: That's actually a good point. Having Buck on the show was nice. It was a nice little change of pace, but I think at the same time people wanted us, I got a lot of like, don't hold back. Like I liked what Jared did last episode where he kind of just, he let it all out for a little bit. I think we did a little bit of both tonight.
3: Sure yeah they fans are pissed. I mean, you know, especially because the call up they're pissed because the play that they're pissed, you know, because of the go benching, they're pissed, fans are pissed, but
4: they're not um
3: uh they're not apathetic, which is good. They still give a shit. I wish the Red Sox saw that, and we're like, man, we are really dicking our fans around right now with this product. This well, is not a satisfactory product that we're putting out there.
2: Need a spark. I don't know if Verdugo benching will be the one. I don't have much faith that it will, but there's a reason Alex Core is the manager, right? It's my manager.
4: Suck on it. That's right. Um, all right, we'll be back. What? Where, where's my final thoughts?
2: Tyler, what are your final thoughts, dude? Shut out the Tone Bone Zone. Best account on Reddit. I really do appreciate you. Oh, and the second, move, second moon being discovered. That came out the last couple days as well. Thank you.
3: Nobody. Nobody. All right. Uh, Jake's takes.
0: Season doesn't start until we play the Yankees. Yeah, that's mm.
3: true. Can't, yeah, that's a good point. You can't just fucking say it's a wrap without even playing the Yankees once. That is ridiculous. I just hope that we're at least respectable by the time Mookie gets here and takes a piss on fucking Fenway.
2: Oh. J.D. coming back. Oh, that there's both of them.
3: Imagine both of them come back and the Dodgers are in first place. The Red Sox are like 19,000 games out of first place.
2: Just picture the you know on the timeline, Mookie and J.D. taking pictures with Cora and taking pictures with Devers, and then those are yeah. going to be all on the timeline. Mm-hmm. I want to die. Yeah. I hope
3: Xander just takes the day off and comes just to just to watch
2: the game. <laughs> Hey, with that wrist, he might be taking a lot of time off. Mhm. We'll see.
3: All right. Um I don't have any fucking final thoughts. My final thoughts are I want to go to bed and I want to wake up tomorrow and not be in pain emotionally. Physically I'm fine, I think. But emotionally I, I would like to be in a better place. Um So, you know what? I you know what? Because I, you know how I kept saying like I want to make I want this team to make me feel something. In 2021, it was like early. It might have been like May. The Red Sox were at Yankee Stadium. And it's the only time that this has ever happened to me. I was wearing my Apple Watch. And I was so emotionally invested in that game that my Apple Watch thought that I was having a fucking heart attack. Oh, my like God. It, not, like, my Apple Watch was like, hey, are you okay? Like, your fucking your heart rate is like 180 <laughs> beats per minute. And it was because I was watching the Red Sox and the Yankees. So I would give anything to have my Apple watch think that I'm fucking dying of a heart attack. Because right now, if, if I'm watching the Boston Red Sox in 2023, my Apple watch is like, oh, he's asleep. Good night, baby. <laughs> that's what my Apple watch is saying. It's not saying, do you want me to call the police? It's saying, good night. Talk me Sweet in. Sweet dreams. Yeah. That's what my Apple watch is saying. So. um. I don't think it's going to happen this weekend, but we'll, uh, we'll see. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday morning. So, enjoy the Sox Yankees.
4: Bye. Buenas noches, amigos.
3: Pulling up to Mickey
2: D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block.